Uh, this is Evil Dick on the on the Below the Belt show. Um, go fuck yourself and see you later. Peace out. The Below the Belt show is closed caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pimps up. Goes down. That's right, guys. It's time for another episode of BTB, Below the Belt Show in the mother effing house. I'm your host, Al Soto, a.k.a. Celebrity Soto, your host with the very effing most, here for another phenomenal episode. That's right. Let's go ahead and introduce the panel, if you will. Starting with, guys, he is uh, the man with the calming presence, sometimes. <laughs> He's also known as the Persian Prince of pop culture, the latest column, Zadi. He is Mike General Zod. Yes, the ladies do call me Zadi. When, and when I say ladies, I mean pretty much the only ladies that I have any interaction with, which is my wife and daughter. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, yeah, it's good to be here. Always be... a pleasure to be yes. below the belt. I, yes, I I love reaching in underneath those uh, those implements that hold our pants up because that is where it's where it is. Yes. It's below below, below the, the belt. belt. Yes. <laughs> Dude, I, that, that improv training is really. Uh resonated through in your new on uh, your persona lately so i gotta i gotta, gotta give you props on that speaking of improv man i got my first yeah improv showcase monday at the baltimore Congrats. improv group oh my gosh so uh Where's i'm actually that? gonna be it's gonna be at the baltimore improv group on charles street in baltimore and uh, yours truly we'll be getting on that stage and performing with the rest of our 101 class so we're all you know, kind of just uh, getting our feet wet in the improv world, uh, but it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. I'm probably going to be doing the hitchhiker skit, Zod. Yeah, you know, where the, you the hitchhikers, the hitchhiker thing is fun. Yes, uh, hitchhiker skit is basically when you rotate with everybody in the room and uh, you pick up hitchhiker, and then the persona of the hitchhiker has to kind of change everybody in the car, and then mm-hmm. the driver You're pulls probably... over. And then it, it you, repeats the cycle, basically. Yeah, you'll probably also do one two-person scene, too. Yep, yep, the two-person scene. I'm an astronaut. I am a vampire. And where are we? And <laughs> oh, what are we you're, doing? Doing, you're, you're doing the robot <laughs> scenes? Yeah, I guess yeah. that is a one-on-one thing. Yeah, that's another thing. And, of course, also ask, ask the expert. And uh, I was very naughty in class. I actually said uh, to the group, oh, so what are, what are these people an expert? And I said, expert on sex. So everybody had to kind of <laughs> pretend they were sex experts, but uh, 
real quick, we got to introduce someone else on the panel. Uh, if I was, many apologies, guys. He is affectionately known as the Rainmaker. Also, and it's not raining here in Maryland, maybe in Jersey. Uh, he is um, a little bit. Yes, he is a, a, a aficionado of everything pop culture in, in the Comic-Con world. And he's also a filmmaker. Michael Doherty back on BTB. Glad to be back, Al. Yes, good to have you back. We missed you for the picks, but we're going to be reviewing our uh, crown jewel picks at the end of the program. You know, and I was off. When I, I was off by two from a full run. Yeah. <laughs> we got a new champion, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but you know, we have a tremendous show tonight, man. It's just, I got to be honest with the SAG strike. It's been hard to book guests, but luckily we have two more interviews from New York Comic Con. Uh, and um, it's uh, the one and only Mike General Zod, who's on our panel, conducted uh, the final interviews for New York Comic Con. And uh, you might know his work from Savage Dragon, Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, and he's a really funny guy. Lots of personality. Um, great exclusive interview with Eric Larson, who is one of the founding image fathers. Right, right, Zod? He is. He was yeah. a blast to talk to. He was yes. really, really fun. I feel like we're saving that best for last because I, I that was one of the uh, the best interviews I thought that we had because we were very mm -hmm. cre creator heavy with the interviews at, at New York uh, Comic-Con due to the strike. A lot of the actors didn't do interviews, but uh, in addition to Eric Larson, we're also going to present an up-and-coming creator named Gezal Omar, who is one of the first Afghani graphic novelists, right, Zod? Yeah, yeah. I mean, according to what she told us, she's the first Afghani American one. And um, yeah, I mean, she was uh, she was also I mean, the work that she's doing with her. I mean, she's doing lots of like crime books. So and they, they were all really, really intriguing, kind of had like a a, I mean, the, the fact that she's Afghani really is kind of immaterial to the work that she's doing. Because the work she's doing, she's doing crime books like Tarantino-esque crime stories. Very Tarantino. In fact, it's called Pimp Killer, one of her graphic yeah. novels. And the other one's called 357 Magnum Opus. So mm -hmm. uh, we'll be uh, playing those exclusive interviews. Uh, in addition, joining us a little later in the program... Our friends Nintendo, Kenny Hopkins from the That Was Disappointing podcast, and good friend Kristen Michelle uh, will be joining us to talk about our favorite show, Big Brother, which is wrapping up its current 25th season on Thursday for the big finale. So we're going to be talking about everything going on in the world of Big Brother, our favorite guilty pleasure. But that's a little later, guys. So let's let's talk about everything going on in the world of entertainment. So here we go. It is time for the Hollywood Report. That's hot. That's bananas. That's off the chain. All right, all right, all right. No change at the box office. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, which I still have yet to see. Still the number one movie. It's kind of crazy. That's a horror movie that's rated PG-13. But nonetheless, yeah, there's, lots of, there's lots of great horror movies in PG-13. Really? Wasn't the yeah. wasn't the original Ring PG-13? I thought the Rings yeah, always it are. Was. Wasn't Ring PG-13? Yeah. And it was one of the scariest ones, you yeah. know, quite frankly. 
it's just i mean like like it just it's just that it's like i mean they can be scary it's just that they don't they just can't say fuck (laughs) and and have extreme and graphic violence yeah so yeah 2002 was uh pg-13 you know what sixth sense was was an amazing thriller um and i guess it's not really horror but it was a it had that that spooky element and that was also pg-13 so well but, i think uh, for i i'm a huge fan of alfred hitchcock's point of view on horror is that like right what he can show on screen is never as bad as what you can imagine in your head mm-hmm. so when a kill happens off screen or in the shadows like your brain fills in how gross it can be which leaves a lot of room for a pg-13 movie to actually be scary interesting okay um, but no one, no one in the panels has seen uh, Five Nights at Freddy's yet. Five Nights at Freddy's. I have not. My okay. my kids really really want to see it, so I, I figured, will in the near future. I figured the kids want to see it. Yeah, for sure. So, so I I haven't seen it yet. I have a few friends that have reviewed it for places, and they said if you are familiar with the lore and you've played the games, you're gonna love it. Mm-hmm. If you've never seen a stitch of Five Nights at Freddy's outside of like the promotion of this movie. Right. It's going to get real. You're going to be lost because there's a. It's a lot know. of lore and a lot of deep cut kind of stuff that's in there. Well, thanks. <laughs> well, for my the heads my up, son my my son's sense. my son is ten years old and he absolutely just devours the Five Nights at Freddy lore. So anything okay. that I don't know, he'll be there to tell me. <laughs> oh, very good. So you plan on seeing it together, Zadi? Yeah, I'm. I'm going to see it with them sometime soon. Very cool. And then Taylor Swift, uh, the number two movie still, collecting thirteen point five million. Its fourth weekend release, and of course, as you know, Taylor Swift's film only on weekends. I believe it does not um, screen during the week, but still the number two movie, which is wild. Um, and third place is Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. I think I'm gonna see that Thursday. I was gonna see the Marvels, but we can't use our process till Monday. So, oh man, you're gonna you're gonna see it Thursday. So I guess I can't I think I, so. I, I can't I can't jump well, in on your laurels to see that because I've been wanting to see that. You really can, but you told me that that you're not available Thursday. So. Yeah, Thursday Thursday I have <laughs> other plans. So if you, you do have go other see plans. It, yeah, if you want to go see it we, Friday, I could. We we could we could talk that. about that because we do need to see the Marvels. We did that's uh yeah that's uh you know top of the priority you know with anything Marvel related for sure. And then you have Sofia Coppola's uh, Priscilla Presley biopic Priscilla, uh, earned five million, and then surprisingly in fifth place was a film called Radical, which is Spanish language drama, bringing in two point seven million. So. That's the top five, but of course, yes, the Marvels is the the next big uh, MCU movie. They just dropped um, final trailers. I don't know if you guys, either of you guys, got a chance to see it, but we saw a little bit more of the uh, the antagonist in it. And in addition, we saw one of my personal favorites, Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie, as well. So. Kind of exciting. Uh, I love uh, Tessa Thompson in more ways than one. And uh, it was great to see her in the trailer. So now I have an even more vested interest in the Marvels now. At first I was like, eh, you know. Um, because, you know, Brie Larson Sally has rubbed some people the wrong way. I don't know if you've guys seen some interviews she's done with her fellow castmates. And it seems yeah, like... Yeah, I just tend to, I tend to separate that stuff from the movie. Yeah. I mean, she hasn't 
she hasn't done anything so egregious that you're like, okay, she definitely needs to be canceled. She's right. just That's not true. been, she's just not been a great like co-star or co-promoter. Yes. Have you she's heard a little, she's, she's really like reserved for some reason and kind of, and comes off as being, as it comes off as being cold. I don't think yes. she actually is because she's got like, I mean, she's done lots of comedies and she's, she yeah. definitely has the acting chops. It's, it's a, just it's a very good point. But like after I saw, the, I rewatched that interview that she was uh, promoting the Avengers with Don Cheadle and Chris Hemsworth. And then she was kind of like, kind of like nudging Don Cheadle. And Don was like pulling his elbow away and like kind of a, you know, very, you know, just reading his body language. He wasn't really feeling it. And then, uh, and then, and then I, you know, I telling, do wonder, like, do you know what her contract is with, uh, as being Captain Marvel? Like, you know, is she like contractually obligated for a certain number of films? That's a good question. I, I do know that when she was interviewed, it was, uh, about, Appearing in future MCU films is, is like, well, do the fans want me? Do they want me? I guess she kind of realizes that she's kind of rubbed some fans the wrong way. Well, I wonder, I, I actually do wonder if she she's not that because she was like an indie actress for most of her career. Right. I mean, and, you know, now she's suddenly thrust into this like really, really high profile um, high profile role where she is contractually obligated to do all this kind of stuff. I wonder if like she's right. not happy doing that. And it's just that it's because uh, that's not for everyone. Yeah. And but... of course, this is entirely conjecture. Like, I don't know anything about like what she's thinking. She might be like... feeling the superhero fatigue, you know, because that's what they're talking about. In fact, director Nia DaCosta acknowledged that it's coming out at a time when there's some superhero fatigue because the last few films that were superhero related didn't do great at the box office. The last one that did well was uh, Guardians 3. But for the most mm -hmm. part, all the DC ones, uh, Ant-Man, um, really failed to impress at the box office. But Well, they're, they're also kind of setting this up that this might be her last front. Okay, so you, you believe it is? Well, I mean, this could just be... Because they're, if you looked at the, I don't know if anybody's watched the last trailer, they set it up with shots from Infinity War explicitly of two characters who have left the MCU almost permanently, followed mm -hmm. by the next shot of Carol Danvers. And then mm -hmm. they went into the storyline of, you know, setting everybody else up with like, before it was like about the three of them getting together and it was kind of equal wow, and this one leaned heavily on uh end game and, and unused audio clips and focused a lot on carol rather than all three wow interesting that's an interesting perspective wow and then the tagline on it was like at this time everything changes so interesting obviously you have monica rambeau and miss marvel to carry the torch so to speak if they wanted to continue but um yeah an interesting thing about um the marvels is it's the shortest mcu movie as well it's uh, only 105 minutes um and yeah <laughs> that almost DeCosta. sounds like a sitcom episode compared to most <laughs> MCU movies. yeah it's like a comedy right yeah and, and near the cost of director said i really wanted it to be under two hours i always think about runtime actually when i go into a film I just feel like there's no need to have it long if you if you don't need to because one hour forty five minutes is pretty average for a movie. So 
we were all really excited as much as oh no man it's i don't know i mean you know her first movie grossed 1.1 billion so i mean her first film was a hit um but we'll just have to wait and see if uh you know this film uh does well or not you know um but i think you know showing tessa thompson's valkyrie you know and then they showed the uh actually i read that due to the um Asian actor, the antagonist So Jun Park, who was added to the newest trailer, apparently has boosted ticket sales among uh, Asian countries, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, so, so I, there I you see go. an article here. Uh, Brie Larson was rumored to have a seven-film contract with Marvel Studios. So with the release of Marvel, Mar- uh, the Marvels, including her cameo in Shang-Chi, she is currently three films left in that contract. Three films left oh. in the contract. So okay. that could be cameos in other movies. That could be one other film. Like, like flashbacks. Yeah. Like anytime she, if she gets used three more times, that'll be the end of her contract. And it's up to Marvel or whether they want to resign her to do more or whether she just wants to go, you know, leave on her own. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens there. Now, this I also is think really... it's a, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, please. <laughs> I also this, think this it's, really, it's it's too early to kind of start. Like, we're at Tuesday, and box offices haven't even closed yet. You know, so okay. I think it's. I'm seeing a lot of people saying this is going to be the lowest weekend opening weekend That's what of they're a Marvel saying, movie. Yeah. Like, I I don't based on what like we have no eyeballs into ticket sales yet. I mean, yes. Everybody was canceling out Five Night at Freddy's. They were going to say it was terrible. It's dominating the box office. Taylor right. Swift has continued to dominate. Like you have uh, Killers of the Flower Moon that everybody thought was going to have huge because of everybody involved. It's that yes. tanking. So I think we're in a place in the, the film market. It's really hard to see or kind of know days before it goes live. Yeah. Like where we are. Yeah, that's a good, very, very good point, Rainmaker. So we'll just wait and see. But um, yeah, I just uh, had a really interesting thing on Deadpool 3. So Sean Levy, he's promoting a, another project called All the Light We Cannot See. It's a limited series on Netflix, which he's talked about, which is uh, very intriguing. But he actually talked about a scene in Deadpool 3, which is kind of an homage to uh, a scene in Return of the Jedi. And the, the, the scene that he's uh, referring to is Luke is basically hiding um, from Vader in the Emperor's room. And Vader gives a speech that ends with, if you will not turn to the dark side, then perhaps your sister will. And basically, Sean Levy was talking about, he had a Jedi moment. He pulled up the scene of Vader and Luke on his phone and restudied how it was photographed, how it was blocked, the tempo, et cetera. And that... um, he basically said that Star Wars fans will know the scene. We'll we'll uh, we'll be able to uh, notice it right away. Uh, so I think that's kind of cool, you know, a little homage to. I mean, they're all under the Disney umbrella, right? Marvel and Star Wars. <laughs> so we'll see. And then we have another big movie that could could affect the Marvels at the box office, and that's a week later, and that's um, the Hunger Games, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And their views so far are really positive. Um, they're saying it's great, superbly constructed, well acted. 
um, and that Rachel Zegler gives uh, uh, gives a full on movie star ter- movie star turn, and they're also saying it's a faithful adaptation um, that actively improves the source material. So yes, this is based on another um, book, and the entire cast is phenomenal. So there you go. And uh, I I'm a big fan of the Hunger Games uh, movies, so um, I will definitely be checking it out. It looks really really awesome. Um, so really curious to see how that does uh, up against the Marvels just a week later. And then we have this really cool trailer. Has anyone checked out Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes? Yes. Yes, that trailer looks really awesome. And this is going to take place generations after the 2017 um, trilogy that we saw already. And although the, the, the trailer is mo- mostly voiceover about the young ape um, talking about his visions, that might be something more, and just very narratively cryptic images. And uh, yeah, it, it looks really cool. It's amazing how the, um, the, the special effects have, I don't know, it seems like they're just slightly more realistic now, you know? Um, they're not as computer looking, you know, um, they really look like legitimate, like apes, you know, like literally they took an ape and put it on a horse and put it in full armor. That's what it looks like. It doesn't look like a computer generated ape. So it's, it's pretty awesome. So that's another big movie, but that's not coming out till May of 2024. Um, but then there's this other trailer just dropped called the fall guy. Now you might remember, the TV show, but this is a movie loosely based on the TV show. Uh, it stars Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt, and um, and basically, yeah, it's uh, Gosling's uh, stuntman goes on a journey to rescue the missing action star he is doubling for, basically. So, <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, I was I was wondering how closely the two are related, the show and the movie. Yeah. Yeah, or if it was just one of those like, like a team where they kind of riffed off of it. What was the what was the premise of the original? Was it it was like a stuntman who was also like a PI or something like that? Wasn't that the premise of the so, original show? So Lee Majors plays Colt Stevens, a Hollywood stuntman who moonlights as a bounty hunter. And okay, so I was phys- close. Yeah, he uses his physical physical skills and knowledge of special effects and stunt effects uh to capture fugitives and criminals he is accompanied by his cousin and a stuntman in training howie munson who studied in nashville whom colt frequently calls kid and occasionally by fellow stunt woman jody banks <laughs> okay yeah. so is that similar uh michael because here aaron taylor johnson goes missing and in order to win uh, back um emily I, blunt's I character know. he goes on a journey to rescue um um aaron taylor johnson's character maybe it's like a prequel kind of a thing (laughs) yeah Yeah, he decides he he really loves the uh the adventure so much that he decides to become a bounty hunter yeah there you go there you go um and it's interesting he said in most films the actors get all the credit but the stunt performers do all the work that ends today (laughs) that's pretty cool and uh, and ironically, like uh, I wonder how much he's going to talk about his stunt doubles in that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is true. Looks like a fun one. Definitely, definitely one to look out for. Also, uh, that's going to drop next year as well. 
And then so, you have so real quick, looking side by side, uh, Lee Majors and Ryan Gosling are both playing Colt Seavers. Okay. Um, and that is the only name I see being carried over in the main cast list. Oh, okay. So that's it. That is pretty much it. Just the the main protagonist. That's it. The, yep. The fall guy himself. Okay. The name and the title. The name. And I'll, the title. I'll bet you he'll wear. I'll, I'll bet you like he'll wear like outfits similar to whatever Lee Majors wore. Like I'll bet you that's gonna that's gonna happen at some <laughs> point. Yes. Nice. All right. We also have Terrifier three. Uh, this was. Um, this is like the basically the indie horror film that could that was had a very low budget but killed it at the box office. Well, they're dropping uh, the third film um, on October twenty fifth, twenty twenty four. So it's going to be um, yeah, it's going to be uh, dropping Halloween of uh, next year. So uh, we've interviewed a lot of the creatives from uh, Terrifier and uh, definitely want to support and check out the third film when it comes out. Um. What else? Well, there's a film called Ezra. Uh, Bleecker Street actually acquired the rights to the film. It was a uh, part of the, um, I believe, the Toronto Film Festival, but uh, they just dropped the trailer. It's uh, Robert Robbie Cannavale, Rose Byrne, Robert De Niro, and William A. Fitzgerald. And, um, oh yeah, and Vera Farmiga. Rain Wilson and Whoopi Goldberg. Wow, what a cast. So basically the synopsis. I know, right? Powerful. So the movie follows Max, played by Cannavale, a once successful late night comedy writer, uh, turned to a less successful stand-up comedian who struggles Mm -hmm. through the failure of his career and marriage. And after uh, moving with his father, played by De Niro, uh, him and his ex-wife uh, remain at odds of how to best raise their autistic son. So well, there you go. So a lot of it's lot, called Ezra. That's what it's, it's called. called. Ezra, yeah. Ezra actually is the name of the son. Okay, okay. So it's a good thing it's not in the nineties, otherwise it wouldn't be better than. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I got little little, little little joke grenade there. Yes, <laughs> yes, better than Ezra. Yeah, good well, good well played, good sir. Bad. Well played. Yes. So, but that does that actually does. It sounds like the kinds of movies that I would have seen a lot more when I was like, you know, actually in the nineties when I was younger. <laughs> and right. uh, but I mean, it has a great cast, so it, it'll it like once I see like what the reception to it is, I definitely yeah. Now, this film has a really funny premise. It's with Lucy Hale. It's called <laughs> Fuck, Mary Kill, but the F word is has stars. So I guess you have to be careful dropping the F-bomb if you're doing your press rounds. But nonetheless, um, so basically, it's a true crime junkie who must determine which of the three guys she's dating is her fuckboy, which one is marriage material, and which one is the the killer. Basically, they call him the swipe right killer who has been terrorizing the city and wants to murder her. So uh, <laughs> taking that, uh, you know, we played that <laughs> game before when maybe when we were younger, maybe some of us married folks can't really play that game now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, because uh, then you, it's hard to decide which, mar- which one is Mary and which one is kill. Right. 
there you go but i think the premise is really fun i i'm i'm looking forward to that one all right let's move into disney plus so echo the new chapter from the marvel cinematic universe now it's going to be under a marvel spotlight banner so basically marvel spotlight is going to is a platform to bring more grounded character driven stories to the screen and and focusing on street level stakes over large over the larger mcu continuity i was curious what you got your guys thoughts on that and this series is going to be tvma what which I, I is think uh, they just go ahead oh i'm sorry i'll let you go first no no please go ahead okay right, well... zod go zod go first zod go first <laughs> okay so i for one love the idea of more street level stuff because yes. in fact i was just thinking about this today about how uh you take a character like spider-man for example Spider-Man is supposed to be like a street level character. Like, right. um, but I don't know. Like, I think it would be impossible for audiences to like really receive well a grounded street level Spider-Man movie. Cause they okay. they'll expect like multiverse shenanigans and they'll expect um giant monsters terrorizing, you know, giant like holographic monsters terrorizing Europe right. and things like that. You can't do that anymore with spider-man and i think because of that something's kind of lost with that same thing with like miles morales like people um equate him with into the spider-verse and across the spider-verse and beyond the spider-verse when that comes out how are mm -hmm. you gonna do a regular spider-man story with either peter parker or miles morales anymore and the fact that that's the case is really kind of a shame because that lose you lose a fundamental part of that character, and so like you know if there's like a big issue about like especially with superhero fatigue that um you know that there's this sense of like formulaic sameness that's going on with a lot of Marvel, which I'm not yes. sure I agree with, but. At least there's that sentiment. The mm -hmm. um, the best way around that is to do different kinds of stories, and sometimes, and in fact, like one of my all time favorite MCU projects was the Hawkeye series, and the Hawkeye series it. was totally it. grounded. And, yes, and it could be under the spotlight banner. Yeah, like was the yeah. Werewolf by Night was that on the under that banner too, or is this new? No, this is this? A, this is a new banner. I think it's new. And I think and I think this has to do with also them pulling back um, the Daredevil. They didn't like the direction, so they want to redo and reshoot Daredevil and make it fit more into this uh, street mm -hmm. level, so to speak. But, and it's uh, also, I mean, like the, the the old like Marvel Netflix shows, most of them were really good. Exactly. I mean, not all of them, but, but yeah. most of them were at least entertaining. Yeah. And, and I guess if they're trying to emulate that there, I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. Rainmaker, you yeah. had wheels turning. Yeah, I mean, I echo everything Zod said. I think you could basically just look at Disney replacing the word spotlight with the word Netflix. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to get. Because like, if you echo, <laughs> yeah. is, is it, echo is a direct pull from Hawkeye. And it was all in that same world with like Kingpin and... So this is their way to like quietly pull that world together. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see like those episodes or those TV shows on Disney plus under spotlight. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I agree. Like Spider-Man to me was always that bridge character between like Luke Cage and Avengers, which is like the guy that could do both, but like it made it special when he went to the big adventures in the comic books. Right. I, I agree with Saad by like immediately pulling him into like big world ending world changing stuff first like yeah. taking him down to that grounded spider-man story is going yes. to be really really challenging um yes. but he was he's that character to me that could show up in fantastic four that could show up in power man that could show up in heroes for hire and then go into avengers and like right the, I, the one I, you I could know. fight both tombstone and dr doom correct but mm. and I think Marvel hasn't really set him. I, I hope maybe the end of No Way Home, where he goes back out on his own, mm-hmm. and the classic costumes maybe pushing him in that direction. But I don't know that you're going to get Tom Holland for a ten episode Disney Plus Spider Man move series. The way <laughs> That's they, true. But That's but although true. we we could have said the same thing about Tom Hiddleston and Loki, and we're now in season two, so I could absolutely be wrong. Yeah, but the the trail looks dope. I don't know if I, either of you saw the trailer for Echo. It's ultra violent. Oh, I love it, and they're dropping yeah. all of it at the same day. Very, that's right. Very Netflix. That's a Netflix model right there. You drop all the yep. episodes, not only on Disney Plus but also Hulu. So this is kind of uh, the first um, Marvel series that's going to drop on Hulu and Disney Plus at the same time. So, so they're of, doing uh, so it's going to be MA so that that implies cursing and uh Oh yeah. all sorts that, of like they that's the same thing they were saying that like the I don't know what uh, where it is in production but they they uh they were saying that Blade is going to be an R-rated movie. Yep. Yeah. Perhaps that could be under the spotlight. Well, it would Maybe, make sense. It would make sense for Blade to be um, kind of in that because it's even though it's vampires, I mean, they're not going to be like world conquering vampires. I would assume <laughs> they're going to be. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and you can do the same thing with Daredevil. You could do the same thing with Moon Knight. You could do the yeah. same. I mean, and uh, there's an entire group of characters and then they can interact in the big Avengers movies, but they don't right. need to interact all the time. Right, well, I, but I think I, I would, still like the yeah. overall tie-in to the MCU, but just still within their own world, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, right. I would love Marvel to go back to, you know, we take 10 years to get to a big world-changing thing mm-hmm. and take that slow pace with the stories for build out each of those characters. Uh, I, I had a good fortune to sit at the, like, at go to Smodcastle Theaters in Red Bank and listen to the Russo Brothers talk. And they said that same thing is that like this whole, like everything speeding up uh, of stuff was all kind of under Bob Chapek, like wanting to crank stuff out. And now that Iger's back and Iger's working directly with Kevin, um, they're going to start going back to the original way Marvel was working before they were cranking out all of that stuff. Interesting. Wow. That's an interesting scoop there. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. So let's talk a little bit Loki um episode five. Um yeah, whatever happened to He Who Remains when he turned into spaghetti, uh basically it reset the uh the uh, timelines for some of our, our favorite characters, right? So basically Mobius is now an ATV salesman and, and should I should uh, I I haven't seen this episode yet. Should I should I refuse myself here? <laughs> I've I've seen it. I know Al hasn't seen the whole thing. So, it, Al, it's up to you because the ending is like uh, 
there there's a big kind of jump at the ending. All right. There's well, big, I'm gonna. I don't want to I'll step it. away. I'll step away for a bit. Text me when you're done. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Zada takes his uh takes his shows very seriously. No, well, I, oh, I, I so, don't. I don't. So do I. Which is why I loved. I love. I've loved the. I don't know if it's three or four. Whichever episode it was, the last thing I saw was when, um, Miss Minutes was revealed to be, you know, kind of sinister and was working right. with, and was trying to manipulate, um, Victor Timely, and um, what's it, um, like uh, Sylvie kicked yes. Victor Timely into, uh, I'm assuming the TBA, and that's how it ended. Oh no no! Victor Timely escaped. No, they she uh, Sylvie captured uh, Ravana. That and so that's the last I've seen. So, so okay. Did you did you see did you see uh, Miss Minutes and Renslayer in the Citadel at the end of time? Yeah, yeah, I did see that. Okay, so then you then your episode you're only one episode behind. Okay, I will be right back though. Cool. I've been really enjoying uh, Loki, man. It's just a, uh, but uh, but I guess we could comment on episode five while Zod stepped out for his uh, yeah little vape break. I guess whatever. But uh, <laughs> it, so okay, so so the the timeline's all left up. All our characters are in other. I guess I guess what where their original lives were before they were taken into the TVA. Is that safe to assume that these were the original lives? So- so going to the end of episode four, where there was that big blast, right? And everything went white. And that was the end of the episode. It's It kicks off with Loki surviving the explosion and everybody in the TVA has disappeared. So he starts going to uh, using his ability to time slip to try to find uh, Obi and everybody else, except for they're all variants on, broke, on different timelines. So it's not the not the people he knew, but it's variants of the people he knew. So, you know, you get the you final payoff, you finally get the payoff on the jet ski moment. You get to see Obi, what he would have been like, how Obi became Obi, um, right. and all of that. And then you basically find out that uh, no matter what happens, like the ending of episode four is just going to keep happening. So the episode ends with Loki figuring out he can now control going back in time through the time slipping. And he goes back to an earlier part of season two. Mm. Wow. And that's enough without spoiling anything. That's, 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 uh, so we're, we're back to season two? No, no, no. We're still in season two, but he goes back to a time in the earlier episodes of season two. In the earlier episodes of season two. Okay. Got it. Wow, that is that is completely heavy. Um, <laughs> yeah, because it's wild because none of the characters knew who Loki was, and I was like, yeah. "Oh man, you still don't recognize him." And you know, now so yeah, because... so just as he got everybody to recognize him in episode four, right? In episode five, he starts that. It's a it's the same bit, but a whole different angle on it. Wow. Oh my gosh, and we get to see how it all ends on uh, on Thursday. Yeah, uh, very the, excited. You know, it's a short season, but uh, you know, I think it's a uh, very powerful episodes. And I'll let Zod; he can uh, join us. Uh, and um, yeah, so that that's uh, Disney Plus. Uh, I do have something interesting on Disney Plus that I'm actually really curious to check out. And uh, what's that? You know, there's a Lost Beatles song, and there's there's a I, doc- oh my, 
Do you know? I about saw this? the video. Yes. It's five. It, if you are a Beatles fan, you will like bring a box of tissues. So you saw it. Okay. It's I, not long. I saw it. It's five and minutes. It's a, I mean, it's, it's like long a mini, for like a music video, but it's right. It's a mini documentary. It's on Disney Plus and it's called Now and Then. Surprise single from the Beatles that was released uh, last week and it's originally written by John Lennon as a solo track for himself. Right. And then the song was never completed and this floated around in limbo and then Paul McCartney revived it with the help of AI. So back before Harrison died, uh, Yoko Ono had demo tapes of John's and they had taken two of those demo tapes and the remaining Beatles or found two songs and the remaining Beatles like finished the song with John. So they had released those. And then Harrison died and they had they had started working on this song and then they had just shoved it. So they brought they finally brought it back. They uh McCartney wrote a new uh verse that they kind of AI'd his voice to sound like Paul McCartney back when he was younger. Um but the music video is also it's amazing. Like they do a powerful job of like bringing all four Beatles back together again. Holy hell. Did you, did you hear about that Zod? The lost Beatles song? There's a yeah. five minute. Documentary. Yeah. I, I actually yeah. listened to it. I actually listened to it today and yeah. it was I don't know, it's I 12 mean, minutes, 12 minute documentaries, what they're saying. Well, there's the 12 minute oh, documentary, yeah. but there's also the five minute music video. Music video. Yeah. Okay, so I, you listened, watch both. I listened to the song. Yeah. I listened to the the song. I haven't actually seen the video yet, but I mean, the song was good. It it definitely isn't one of their greater works, but it's like um, but it's how they were able to. It's put always it amazing to get, even in the most unlikely ways. Yeah, yeah. To get any sort of new Beatles content is astounding. You know, yes. no matter how they do it. I know what I'm going to be it doing. It does that set up tonight. some. Like, <laughs> I'll be watching that. Yeah, it does. It does set up a little bit of an uncomfortable precedent, though, where since they're doing this with the Beatles, the Beatles, where half the band is dead, um, they're not going to stop with this. You're going to be hearing suddenly this new AI generated content. I know. It's wild. All sorts it's wild. Of, like, dead artist yes where they'll use like i remember hearing kurt about, cobain they could bring kurt cobain Prince. back dude and 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 freaking yeah. uh dave Grohl and and chris novosel could get together and make new nirvana stuff oh my god yeah well, i mean that, they'll, they'll just so... use because like uh with prince like uh before before you start just uh uh, uh you know just going by that uh, prince like when prince died and uh you know in his estate he had something like um, dozens, if not hundreds of hours of unused material. And it's not, it wasn't like produced well enough to be a song or anything like that, but just all of this stuff. And I could really see them doing that with, with any dead artist that has a lot of like unused, like scrap material. So I'm worried that might like kind of uh, dilute like their, you know, their work if they just push all of this stuff out wow it's amazing so, it is absolutely amazing what they can do now yeah I, okay I, i'm I sorry michael go was, ahead no you're good i'm i was going to agree with you completely because you have artists like prince artists like michael jackson 
who have left behind mm -hmm. this wealth of unproduced or unfinished material. Right. I, I'm less worried about, you know, uh, cause you can see those on TikToks and they're really not going to go anywhere. Somebody doing Johnny cash singing, you know, like the WAP or anything. I'm, I'm less worried about that <laughs> than I am what you brought up. Zob, I can which just is like, imagine it's a wet ass pussy. Exactly. Prison. Yes. But like, you know, I've been a, inside that pussy longer around the bands. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's like Jackson's estate or Prince's estate. Yes. Looking at it as a cash grab of just going, well, the Beatles mm -hmm. did it, so we can do it. Uh yeah, yeah. I that's the part yeah. that I'm worried about. I mean, if it if it's stuff like Dave Grohl has a box of unfinished like Nirvana stuff. Yeah. That's one thing. But when you have the general Tarkin of it all, <laughs> like the Rogue One general. I was going to say something about Nirvana, about like, I don't see a Nirvana thing happening because mostly because Dave Grohl and, and Courtney Love hate each other. And Courtney yeah, Love fair. actually owns all of the. Uh, but. Discography. Well, go ahead and take care of what you need to take care of, Zod. We'll, we'll bring it back. Moving on to Netflix movies, uh, Zack Snyder's space adventure film, which originally Zack envisioned as a darker Star Wars, but it was rejected. And, and then he decided to do it on his own. It's called Rebel Moon Part One. We talked about it here on BTB. Apparently, it will have a one week theatrical run ahead of its uh, drop on Netflix and will be playing exclusively on 70 millimeter. Um, at limited cities, limited theater run, and uh, uh, that's gonna be the 15th to the 21st before it drops right before Christmas, December 22nd on Netflix. And I'll tell you, man, everything I'm seeing about Rebel Moon is really exciting, man. And I think uh, Zack Snyder got a little bit of heat for, for the Justice League, um, you know, cut, but you know, I had no problem with it, I thought it was good. But nonetheless, I think he's going to really, he's got himself a hit in this Rebel Moon. I just have a feeling that it's going to just be amazing. So um, I don't know if either of you are looking forward to Rebel Moon, but uh, I think it's going to be awesome. I like, I like a lot of, I like a lot of Zack Snyder's stuff. I don't hate it the way some people do. I don't yeah, have like a knee jerk reaction like, to it. Like Jesse Fresco, who's been on the show multiple times, he he hates the the Snyder cut and everything. He always has not something negative to say about Zack Snyder. But you know what? No, I that you know I thought he did a fantastic. I do, job. I do kind of wish Zack Snyder had more of a sense of humor in his stuff because there it's you, like, okay. okay, it can get kind of it can get kind of um, you know like uh, there he in his uh, that's when, true when that's he falls true. into. When he falls into his most excess is when he's like he totally falls into this like stereotype of this like angst ridden brooding, you know, brooding like teenager pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And uh except a teenager with like a billion dollar budget. And so it's um that uh that can be troublesome but yeah. i don't know like like a movie that of his that i really liked a lot which most people absolutely despise but i enjoyed it i actually really enjoyed it was um oh fuck i can't remember the name now the one with like all the hot chicks and they <laughs> sucker were punch a... sucker, sucker punch, punch. Yeah. yes yeah. yeah that was a good one that was a really which good I... one I'm... 
I think very but like, underrated. But that actually. is that so roundly despised by most people. And I don't know why. It was so much fun to watch. I, well, honestly, visually, I, it was fantastic. I think Snyder, for me, my problem with Snyder is that he wasn't the guy to do a Superman or Justice League movie, but he's absolutely the guy to do a Batman movie. Like, mm-hmm. okay. I, I think as he's gotten on, my issue with him is that like, he everything is just drawn out and everything is is like to your point moody teenager like everything mm. is there's no little humor there's like, movies that could be an hour shorter yeah and still gotten the same effect but i i think visually he is amazing and i think when you when he sits in his pocket which is like sucker punch or uh oh crap uh the watchman like when he can yes. sit in that pocket, like he is phenomenal. And that's what worries me about like him going into space, like a Star Wars with, era. With Rebel Moon. Okay, so you have your reservations about Rebel Moon. Yeah, I mean, because like Star Trek and Star Wars have very different pacing to their, their thing. Right. But he is a very much an old school Star Trek pace story right. that I don't know that would fit. Like interesting. Okay. Okay. Well, well that's we'll that's my wait. only reservation. We'll we'll definitely have to wait and see. Uh, and anyone check out the comedy thriller trailer for Lift, which is Kevin Hart's uh, heist film on Netflix. He's got Gugum Bathara, Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, Sam Worthington, and someone who's been on BTB. He's a friend of my buddy Warren up in New York. They were in a band together for Reserve for Rondi. I literally saw this guy's career skyrocket. Before my eyes, Billy Magnuson. You guys know Billy Magnuson? He uh, was, I think he got his big break on Into the Woods. And when we had him on Below the Belt show, he had just done a CW show. And uh, the dude is just like everywhere now. He's in like every major movie, it seems like, in a supporting role, you know? Uh, but nonetheless, uh, the um, the trailer looks really, really good. It's good to see Kevin in an action adventure. Uh, heist. I, I know he's done them before, but uh, it's kind of cool to see him in that element. So uh, it, they sold me on the trailer. I'm definitely going to check it out for sure. And I got some news on Stranger Things. So season five, you know, they're promoting actually a stage play. And it's interesting, Zod. We watched Stranger Sings, which is like a Stranger Things parody. But this mm-hmm. one's actually going to be written by the Duffer Brothers. I, I, I guess the team, the, the Stranger Things uh, t- uh, writing team, and it's actually going to be canon, Zod, to um, the Stranger Things um, series. It's going to be a prequel set in 1959 Hawkins. And oh, really? Is it going to feature um, um, Robert England's character? Yes, Henry Creel. Uh, the arrival of Henry Creel. That was his character, right? Robert England's character was Creel? Yeah. And then you have teenage Jim Hopper. You have teenage Joyce. Uh, and uh, a younger version of uh, Dr. Martin Brenner. So basically, this is going to be a stage play that's running in England right now at London's Phoenix Theater in December. But in talking about the the um, the play, the Duffer Brothers did confirm a little bit of a, a teaser for chapter one of season five. And it basically was an image that said, The Sound of Cold Wind groaning trees and a child's voice singing a familiar song that's all we got so far um and of course with the um 
with the SAG strike, they're not allowed to go into production, but they do have the outline of the um, all eight episodes for the fifth and final season. They even went so far as to pixelate the 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 whiteboard with all the with which I would make sense. I mean, obviously, people were trying to dis- decipher and get the uh, the plot points of season five, but uh, it's it looks fantastic, man. It looks really fantastic. So, uh, um, and uh, let's throw out some HBO, and then we'll take a classic cut break. Uh, House of the Dragon season two will premiere early summer twenty twenty four. Okay, so and that gives the, me some time to catch up on that. Yes, are I you behind? To, I'm very much behind on uh, House you, of Dragons. You'll love some. You'll love some House of Dragons. Odd, okay. it, it's fantastic. It's fantastic, and because George R. R. Martin is directly involved, you know, I think with Game of Thrones he was kind of like loosely involved, but with DB and Dave taking the show, but here he's actually very, very close to the writers' room in this one. And then they actually talked about the spinoff called A Night of the Seven Kingdoms, The Hedge Knight, which actually will begin shooting next spring, pending, obviously, the SAG after strike. And um, it's great that they finished season two of House of the Dragon because it had all its episodes written. So the writer strike didn't affect it. And most of the actors were equity. In England, over its equity, it's not SAG after, so they were able to finish that in time. So, but uh, wow, they're really pumping up all these uh, spinoffs now with this Night of the Seven Kingdoms, which will be um, set a century before the uh, events of Game of Thrones. So it seems like it's like around the same time as House of Dragon, isn't it roughly like 70 years um, for House of the Dragon? I'm not, I can't remember exactly how many years um, earlier House of the Dragon was, but it seems like this Knight of the King, uh, sorry, King of the Seven Kingdoms will be kind of in between House of the Dragon and Game of Thrones. So, oh, it's not a Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, it's a King, the King of the Seven Kingdoms. Um, the prequel series, uh, called A King of the Seven Kingdoms. Yes, oh, okay, okay, that's different. Okay, well, hold on now. I'm also reading it's also the Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, so I'm wondering if, uh, if there was a mistake in, in the source that I'm reading here, and then they actually meant the Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, which yeah, it's just a knight, a knight of the Seven Kingdoms. The Knight of Seven Kings actually sounds better than the King of the Seven Kingdoms, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so it's supposed to. I mean, that's like um, it. It takes place a century. Like House of the Dragon takes place how long before Game of Thrones? That's what I'm trying. I need to look that up. I'm not sure. I think it. I thought it was seventy years, although. Uh, Michael, you're very quick with your fingers. Uh, how 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 much early is House of the Dragon? Uh, um, prior to Game of Thrones, uh, 167 years after. Okay. One second. Game so that of makes Thrones, sense. So Game of Thrones is set 197 years after House of Dragons begins, and 167 okay, years after the Dance of the Dragons. Uh, in 131 AC. Okay, there okay. you go. So the, the Night of the Seven Kingdoms will be in between about 100 years. So It really shouldn't have had them set so far apart for me. I know that's in the in the story and everything, yeah. because when you watch them, they look like they could be like completely interchangeable when it comes to time periods, and that's not how the Great. real world works. No. <laughs> where, 
<laughs> like, um, you know, like you would think like fashions would be different. Technology would, I know right. technology doesn't go in the same direction in a fantasy world as it does in the regular world. But I mean, they look like they could be like exactly the same time. Whereas if you did a right. movie that takes yes. place in 2023 and then when it's 197 years before, so 1828, you know, it's like so technology uh, gonna... moves at a snail's pace. In, in this in world, the, apparently. Uh, in the world of Rusteros. Yeah. So yeah. you're right. How do you tell the difference? I mean, it's exactly the same. Incest is still the best. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's all <laughs> it's kind of crazy. All right. Um, what else is coming on HBO? Euphoria season three has been slated. So that I'm a big fan of Euphoria. It's a fantastic show. Of course, Last of Us season two. White Lotus Season 3, and the It prequel series, Welcome to Dairy, also on the slate, upcoming on HBO, of course, pending the actor strike. And then Curb Your Enthusiasm Season 12 will uh, return in February, so that's already in the can. And interestingly enough, um, Larry David... Are there David... more Curb Your Enthusiasm episodes now than there were Seinfeld episodes? You know, it's gone 12 seasons, so, but I don't know because it's only been there's it's like not... a couple years in between each season, so I don't think it's up to Seinfeld status yet. Although, how how many seasons did, did Seinfeld go? Because Seinfeld lasted eight years, I think it was eight 1991 years. to nine, 1998. But probably nine had years, one eighty episodes. Nine years, one hundred eighty episodes, and then Curb probably has ten to twelve episodes, maybe per season. And multiply that. So that's one hundred twenty episodes. Yeah, Curb's yeah. at one ten. One okay. ten. Thank you. So there you go. It's all. Uh, it's all in there. Um, you know, we got a couple minutes. Let's throw out some Apple TV. There is a uh, really cool trailer for Mark Wahlberg's new film called The Family Plan. So he's a quiet suburban dad who takes his family on a road trip to Vegas to protect them after his after his cover as a former elite government assassin is blown in the trailer. And he's kind of like fighting this guy in a grocery with his baby in a uh, a baby carry. You know, what what are they called? Dodd? Baby Bjorns. Baby Bjorns. Thank you. <laughs> I know you've worn one. Oh, absolutely. Past. I used to wear one. Yeah, <laughs> there were there were a couple of years where I wore one almost every yeah. day. <laughs> so that was a, a really, really fun trailer uh, you, you can check out. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. And then uh, also on uh, Apple TV, they, they actually did you know that Apple TV pretty much owns everything that's peanuts? So you can see all like the Thanksgiving special, the Christmas special. Really? Which, yeah, that's because if you notice that it's very hard to watch those specials now on regular TV, Apple mm -hmm. took all the rights to everything Peanuts. And now do they actually act own, does Apple actually own the Peanuts intellectual property or just believe, the rights I, to the... I think they do. And the reason why is odd is because they're now producing a brand new Peanuts feature film, which will follow Snoopy and Charlie Brown's biggest challenge yet as uh, the Peanuts characters embark on an epic adventure to the big city in New York. So that's oh, really, gonna, well, I hope it, if it's the, because the, the last Peanuts feature film, the one I when did that come out? Like mm -hmm. seven, eight years ago. That was such a fun, that was such a well-done movie. That was so okay. like, 
I really, really liked it a lot. And, um, and I hope they can continue that. Yeah, it would be cool to continue that for sure. Um, but yeah. So uh, when we get back, we'll talk a little bit about Gen V on Amazon. We'll talk a little bit more about some other uh, stuff uh, going on in television. Um, we got Big Brother talk, um, some stuff on Hulu and FX, and um, some other fun stuff here on BTV. So uh, let's go ahead and take a classic cut break. And what I thought would be a good classic cut, because last week was the Halloween episode, I feel like I did not give this actor who is no longer with us, um, the proper, proper dedication. So, um, this goes out to Matthew Perry. This is, uh, the song from friends, the theme song from friends. I'll be there for you. Um, which of course, uh, we are very, very sad and distraught that, uh, Matt Perry is no longer with us. Um, died very unexpectedly in his home in Los Angeles. And we talked about it last week and, uh, yeah, it's it's super duper sad, man. It's he was just getting over his addiction issues. He wrote a book about overcoming addiction. He talked about how he wanted to be remembered, not as the actor from Friends, but someone that that helped people overcome addiction. You know, and we don't know exactly what killed him yet. But um, for you fans of Friends, um, this one goes out to the one and only um, Matthew Perry, who I got to meet. Several years back at the White House Correspondents uh, Dinner in D.C. It's always very cool. Took a few minutes to talk. And, um, yeah, again, very, very super sad. Rest in peace, Matthew Perry, actor from Friends fame. And right after that, let's go ahead and uh, listen to General Zod's interview with the one and only Eric Larson and Gisele Onomar, uh, graphic novelist extraordinaire. Uh, and very easy on the eyes, Odd. So uh, yeah, she is. Uh, so. Yes. So we're going to hear that uh, right here on BTB. Everybody, this is Mike the General Zod with another interview from New York Comic Con 2023, and we've got a treat for you now. You've got <laughs> Eric Larson, one of the old school creators, one of the founders of Image. You probably know Savage Dragon, and if you don't, where the fuck have you been? And Together, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we have the distinct and esteemed pleasure to have him with us today. Thank you for joining us, Eric. My pleasure. So, Eric, you are um, one of the one like like you know, like you were saying um, when I was uh, when I was considerably younger. This is decades ago. Big fan of your uh, Spider-Man. I remember one of the things, like, you were actually one of the uh, drivers that returned the Sinister Six out of, like, you know, like 20 or 30 years hibernation. Yeah, that was that was fun. I was, it was great to be on the book to be able to draw all of those classic characters. It's like, 
I, I hadn't gotten to draw any of those guys before, and that was like, oh, it's a bonanza. All these, you know, most most of Spider-Man's main villains, mm-hmm. I got to draw over the course of my run. So it was it was fantastic. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so. I wanted to ask about like uh, first of all your uh, when you uh, when you went to Image like I've heard stories about how like contentious it was and how it felt like you were kind of like burning bridges like was it really like that? It wasn't for me as far as I was concerned. Uh, in fact, at the time, the the thought was that we some of us might be coming back and doing some more stuff, but they kind of. They reacted more strongly than I think we had intended them to react. So, and also there were men, there were contingents within Image Comics who were a little more like, "Oh, fuck you guys!" You know, and it's like, oh, "All right, well, he, he doesn't speak for me." You know, I still want to do Nova sometimes. <laughs> and you did come back. You did like Nova and Wolverine. I think you did some work with DC too. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I you know, if something seems like it's going to be a fun project to do and I've got something to say uh-huh. I, I'll work I'll work on it that sounds fun I'll do it are you still uh, are you still tight with any of the other founders oh, I'm friends with all of them yeah we're, we all get along fine we don't all we don't all live next to one another so we're not hanging oh, you don't out. you don't live in the same building I'm not like you know <laughs> borrowing cups of sugar from each other or anything like that <laughs> But, you know, when we see each other at shows, it's always great. And we get together at certain times and go over and do image business kind of stuff. So uh-huh. it's it's all good. Yeah, yeah. So let's move on to the Savage Dragon. All right. So uh, my colleague here is, uh, is really, really curious about, like, a, uh, I guess, an evolution with the, with the book that, you know, it started out, it was uh, relatively... Family friendly, at least it was. Uh, <laughs> it was it maybe not comic code, comics no, code approved. It was not. But apparently, it's a, it's taken a much more racy turn recently. What are your thoughts, or what what brought you made you decide to do that? It just seemed like the thing to do at the time. It seemed like like I'd been teasing people for an awfully long time, just uh-huh. doing something that was kind of pushing the envelope, and I thought. Well, this will be fun. So it's just me screwing around. It's it's always just this seems like it would be funny or fun uh-huh. rather than and I, I don't think of the of it as being particularly sexy, but I, I more um, funny. Yeah, it's like, kind of like kind of like that scene in Team America when they have the puppets fucking kind of like that. Yeah, I, I think of it more like I mean I'm not sitting there. If if you're if you're getting if you're getting off reading this book, then something's going on with you. That's more of a you thing than a me thing. <laughs> yeah, there was a couple times where I where I pushed it pretty pretty hard. There was a um, a lot of the image books have been doing quote unquote adult covers, and and you you know they'd have this thing on there and they would be sealed in plastic. But I'm, you know, I'm one of the owners of the company, so I get all the, I get all the comics, and I would open those things like, this isn't that racy at all, for crying out loud. <laughs> so I did one that, I did a X-rated cover, and I, and I got one of those like serious, awesome porno artists who's like super good. 
and, and we, I, we I art directed the hell out of it and, and he came up with a cover that when people saw it they were like holy crap <laughs> 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 it, was, it was like it's super hardcore but that was the idea I wanted this I, it was just the idea of the spit take of somebody opening it and just going Jesus <laughs> that's that's some bad news um, but like the, sh the the shaving cover that was me later on and that was relatively tame everything's covered with shaving cream so we're good to go <laughs> oh man that is awesome uh, so how about um, moving on to with the Savage Dragon like uh, have, has there been any uh, talk about turning it into like a live action movie or anything like that there's always talk but until there's until somebody's you know putting money on the table right. it's like it's just talk until then you know okay so, it hasn't been cast let me go that far oh but but the, who, who would who would you fan cast for it I don't I don't even I can't even pull up the name to be honest <laughs> to be honest because it's like it used to be Bruce Willis but he's way too old and yeah. not doing movies anymore yeah he, he, I'm not even sure he's verbal anymore yeah. unfortunately it's like okay well he's out yeah so but basically I would cast an, a, a decent actor to do the part even if they don't look 100% like him and then just CG CGI the crap out of him and just you know make give him big parts big fake arms and yeah. stuff. You can do it that way. You know? I mean if Mark Ruffalo can do the Hulk then Yeah, right? You know, so do makeup on somebody and have put the fin on their head uh -huh. but then just do, you know, CG CGI arms, follow that. Awesome. So, Eric, thank you so much for taking the time uh, quite welcome. Uh, to join us. The, um, if you could, could you, uh, could you give us like a promo? Just introduce yourself and then say you're, you're listening to and watching Below the Belt show. And then, I don't know, make a joke or insult us or <laughs> something like Below that. Below the Belt. Below the Belt show. All right. So, this is Eric Larson, and you are listening to Below the Belt Show. I enjoy, I guess. Uh. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody. This is Mike the General Zod here at New York Comic Con, and I've got an up-and-coming uh, creator. This is Gazelle Omar. Yeah, hi there. Nice to meet you. Hi there. And uh, she's... Uh, She's made some incredible books. These are, I'm assuming, creator-owned, right? Yes. Yes. Creator-owned. We've got Pimp Killer and 357 Magnum Opus. And I, if I understand, 357 Magnum Opus was your first one? Yes, it is. Yeah. So, lots of, like, really cool crime, uh, like, you know, there's, like, noir aspects in it. It's, like, um, but, like, with really, really strong female protagonists and... She's here to talk about her work. So, first of all, welcome and thank you for being on our show. Yeah, thank you for having me. So, what can you tell us about? Um, let's go with 357 Magnum Opus first. Yeah, 
Okay. Absolutely. So 357 Magnum Opus is about a couple of bounty hunters who missed their target, so now they're on the kill list. Uh -huh. Think Pulp Fiction meets John Wick, so a lot of action, a lot of violence. Uh, I've always been inspired by strong women um, in the movies like Sigourney Weaver, Gina Davis, Angelina Jolie. Uh -huh. So I want to create a story uh, that was very similar, that captured everything I like in the movies, like by Tarantino, Guy Ritchie, and such. So uh, that's what 357 Magnums, Magnum Opus is about. Yeah. Okay, okay. And it's pink kill uh, pimp I'm sorry pimp killer is pimp killer kind of in the same vein well it's uh it is it's its own universe so the character is LA Jones and I got actually inspired by my uber driver in Vegas I was asking her hey do you have any crazy stories and she was just talking about random crazy stories so I well, I was inspired to create this character who sees that the cops aren't doing anything about women being murdered mm -hmm. and decides hey I'm gonna become a pimp killer so that's what she does so um, <laughs> I really enjoyed writing it uh, writing the character so different worlds um, both stories have strong women leads yeah. a lot of action a lot of violence so catchy dialogue awesome 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 so um what um what brought you to like you know have you always thought that you're going to be doing uh graphic novels I would have never imagined myself in this universe. I didn't grow up reading graphic novels or comic books. I was more into screenwriting. Uh -huh. However, uh, 357 Magnum Opus was originally written as a screenplay. And I just thought, you know what, this would be actually a great comic book as well. I don't see very many comic books that are created by women with strong female leads. So I felt my point of view as a woman would really mm -hmm. help and give a voice to others to also say, hey, I want to be a creator in this in this world as well. Okay. Were you were you a comic book fan growing up? I wasn't. I've always loved like Superman, right? I've always right. liked Wonder Woman. I loved the DC Comics. I loved X-Men. I was a big Rogue fan, Storm fan. Um, it wasn't something I religiously read, though. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, when you said you, you had it as a, as a screenplay for so I'm assuming you have a, a film background then. Uh, my degree was in communications, but I've always loved film. I'm a big Tarantino, Scorsese, Fincher fan. So, great, uh, great list there. Thank you. Um, and then Pip Killer, my second one, was actually written as a comic book format. So okay. that way it was where there was panels and such, and it wasn't adapted from a screenplay. It was originally written as a comic book. Awesome, awesome, awesome. First of all, uh, just to let, uh, let, let everyone know where they can find these incredible books. Yeah, uh, both 357 Magnum Opus and Pimp Killer can be found on artillerynetwork.com. That's my website. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, is there is there more coming out? Like, uh, you know, do you got you, have you got like all sorts of like great things brewing to come out in the future? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm working on a prequel and sequel with my co-creator Caden Phoenix, uh -huh. and then this year, uh, December, we have actually Pagan Valley coming out. So think of it as one wild night in Hollywood where a young woman is in trouble. So that's going to be a really fun story, and I can't wait to share that. Okay, okay. You think you're ever going to branch out outside of the crime genre, or do you think you're you know you're comfortable there? You're going to Stay, stay in that? I love writing in the crime genre, but I'm definitely interested in exploring different genres, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And then, let's say uh, you're living the dream, and your pro your your properties get uh, get bought, um, adapted into film or TV, which is very, very possible, especially considering how, how compelling they are. Uh, do you have like a uh, an idea in your head who your dream cast would be for for your uh, for your works? I don't have a dream cast just because there are so many splendid actresses that can play the roles. So I don't have anybody in particular. But um, I'm looking forward to seeing who does get cast if it does happen to go that way. Um, not, not one person in particular. I think there's a lot of great actresses who can play the roles. Okay. Okay. Like, uh, has there been? Uh, have you have you had any like preliminary interest in that yet? Yeah, I've been 
been approached by some studios and production companies that have shown interest, uh, individuals in California, that's where I'm based in. So we'll see w what happens with that. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, Gazelle, thank you so much for joining us here uh, today. And again, that's um, 357 Magnum Opus and Pimp Killer. Uh, it's available at, I'm sorry, the website again? Artillerynetwork.com. Artillerynetwork.com. So check them out. They're amazing. All sorts of really great punk rock references, like the uh, Pimp Killer Dead Kennedys sticker. And yeah, I mean, check them out. They're fucking great. Thank you again. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Do you, if possible, could you uh, like give us a little promo, just to introduce yourself, like a little bit about you, like you know, like five, like one sentence, and then say you're listening and watching Below the Belt show, and then maybe make a joke or insult us or something. <laughs> I won't insult you guys. Uh, I'm Giselle Omar. I'm the first uh, Afghan American graphic novel writer, and I really enjoy Below the Belts. And thank the team for interviewing me. And I recommend you guys catching them um, online. Awesome! Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you again. All right. Yes. Rest in peace, Matthew Perry. That was the Friends theme song. There's a band to go with that song, isn't there? I'm very ill prepared, but. Uh, the band that performed that song, um, Michael Dory, your your lightning fingers there. Do you know the the, the band that that sang the "I'll Be There for You" it's song? The Rembrandts. I know that. Thank you. I have to look it up. Yep, the Rembrandts. That's right. Um, yeah, what a big loss, Matthew Perry. Right? Just, uh, I mean, he's what fifty four years old, man. Oh. Yeah. So, do they yeah, do had... they have any more information? So, it's just he had an accident and drowned. That's the uh, well. That's... Now they're saying he wasn't drowned because he wasn't in the the, the bathtub very long, or the, sorry, the hot tub rather very long. And um, they're basically now saying that uh, he had a heart incident, a heart, uh, I guess a heart, you know. But whether it was related to drug use, we, you know they. They didn't find any illicit drugs. They found prescription drugs, but no illicit drugs at the scene. Well, and I so, mean, it's it's pretty easy to turn prescription drugs into illicit drugs. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, well, TMZ updated as of six p.m. Pacific today. Really? Uh, okay. That he died at his own house after physical activity in the morning. They're told that he came home sometime in the morning after a two-hour round of pickleball. He sent his assistant out on an errand shortly thereafter. And when the assistant returned two hours later, he discovered uh, Matthew unresponsive and called 911. And it's unclear what he was doing before his passing played any role into his death. But that right. investigation is still underway. Wow. So, yeah, they've but had it seems to be cardiac arrest. Cardiac arrest. Yeah, man, that's so sad because they just had the private funeral for Matthew Perry and uh, his castmates. Came out Jennifer Aniston, Matthew Matthew LeBlanc, David Schwimmer, Courtney Fox, and Lisa Kudrow uh, were all yeah. Um, yeah were all there. So and, it's confirmed um, no drugs at the scene, no foul play, and he was chilling in the jacuzzi. Interesting. Wow, that's just crazy. There will be a special on Matthew Perry on VH1 um, that's going to air um, on November seventh. An encore on November 11th, which will have archival footage and never before scenes of Matthew Perry at various stages of his life. So definitely worth tuning in. And um, 
we're gonna uh welcome uh guest co-host uh here on btb um also you might have heard his voice on that was disappointing our friends over there art hall and joe lex kenny hopkins aka nintendo thank you uh, what's up guys good to have you back on btb and then it's we also welcome yes good to have you back kenny and of course we're happy to welcome the one and only um and she's a, another big brother super fan longtime friend here krista michelle good to have you on btb hello thanks yeah, for having hello me. absolutely um so big brother's been our uh our guilty pleasure, so to speak. So why don't we pivot into that really quick, if that's okay. Um, we're down to the final three now. We got Bowie Jane, we got Jag, and we got Matt. Um, and we just saw tonight's episode. It was kind of like a, a retrospective kind of thing. Yeah, the quintessential. Here's what happened this year. Right. <laughs> Things that happened in the season. <laughs> Uh, we well, found out that Felicia has really nasty farts, <laughs> which is not. Yeah. And she doesn't never... use the diary room. Yes, that too. Um, you know, it was, it was fun. That's always like the fun episode before it gets really crazy. And of course, we did see the beginning of the final HOH challenge where we saw, uh, I guess, it's an endurance challenge where they're just sitting on these. Uh, yeah, it usually balls. is the first yeah. of the three is usually an endurance challenge because you know you got to weed out the week. You got to weed out the week, and I think the winner of that one goes automatically to the third round, and then the, the other two battle out in the second round. So, um, wow, can, do you want to place any bets? Who who's taking who's taking the uh, the what is it now seven hundred fifty thousand dollar grand prize? Yeah, three quarters of a mil. Three quarters of a mil, previously five hundred thousand, but I think it's an appropriate bump to now put it at seven hundred fifty mil. Inflation. Sorry, seven hundred fifty thousand. Seven hundred fifty mil. Sorry. Um. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's. it's what did you? Th what do you think about this season? So first far, of all, like, like, I, you all, know, over, as a whole, all, as a whole, I think it's one of the stronger seasons because I really like the. I really like the um the scary verse, comic verse, humiliverse, multiverse. You know, I think that's very unique and different. Yeah, I agree. What, what what I'm not a fan of is power to bring back uh someone that's been evicted. Uh I was never a fan of battle back. Um I I feel that once you're voted out, you should be voted out. So they did have two aspects of that. With Cameron returning, of course, the power used to bring Jag back. I'm not a fan of those. I'd rather if someone gets voted out, they're out. Right. But other than that, it was a very entertaining season. Some great players, um, lots of personalities. Oh um, yeah, Tyson. Uh, I don't know how they live with that guy. He's he was intense, man. Like just watching his DRs, like when that one point where he's just like staring in the camera. I'm like, oh, I, I don't know, dude. The, there's always one of those that just has the power trip, the total ego, yeah. like really thinks his gameplay or his or her gameplay is just spot on. Right. Um, so you have to have one of those in every season, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't do it in a likable way, sadly. So uh, he, that's probably what he was. Uh, his game was very short. 
I, oh, I have, yeah. Yeah, short okay. <laughs> uh, I have four rules that if I ever got into the Big Brother house, I think I've mentioned them here before. No, you have, yeah. And uh, the fourth rule is actually a newer rule that has been developed, I believe, as of last year is when I kind of really kind of rounded it out. But uh, if that rule is uh, don't don't feel safe. Don't be safe. If you feel safe, you're fucked. Like, don't be safe. Like, if I get on a, if I win HOH, I'll never, I'm never spending time up there. You know, oh, never. Yeah, we saw that with Corey in America. They were yep. very, very safe until they got blindsided. Those guys are cute. I hope they make it. You know, as far as I know, Corey already won. He he got a girl out of his league, and he he won he won a, a prize of sorts already. So he should be happy. I have to agree for the with the messages from home though. I'm not a fan of the mustache. It's got to go. <laughs> I know it's yeah. kind of like a peeking out there because he looks like he just like uh, just got through puberty recently. Yeah. <laughs> But you got to grow it. I mean, if you want to grow it, you got to grow it. And it's going to look yeah. bad for a while. So, you know, it's yeah. what you got to do. But uh, We're looking at the final product, though. And that's what's a little scary. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a showmance. But apparently, um, America admitted that she would not go beyond first base. And I wonder if she stayed true to that. Seems like maybe she did because maybe she... Oh, you mean in jury? Yeah, well, she said even in the jury house or that she would not uh, go further than kissing with Corey. That's good to know. Yeah. yeah. Those are your boundaries um, are. Yeah, and, and that, that was kind of repeated on tonight's episode, but that was the complete opposite with Blue and Jared. Apparently they were they were the source of the missing condoms. <laughs> with his mom in the house, too. Dude, how do you bang a girl with your mom in the house? So H-O-H I know- um, yeah, so I know Zod and and Rainmaker. You're not following Big Brother like us, but uh, dude okay. was playing. Dude was playing with his mom, uh, Jared, and his mom Siri, who was on Survivor. Who was like, twice. A, uh, yeah, twice or three or four times. Four My maybe come in three times. Yeah, yeah, she's played a bunch I, of Survivor. I, hold on. I want to clarify that statement. He he's playing the game with his mom. Not yes. playing, yeah. Okay, because okay, the they way were, this they conversation were was, I was like, I was like, wow, that's a, a reality TV's really changed a that lot. That would be really that would be, be Game of Thrones ish. I don't yeah, watch Big Brother, so when you're naming names and like she'd only go to first base, and then you say he's playing with his mom, I'm like, what what show <laughs> are you guys show watching? Are <laughs> but yes, yeah, Big Jared, Brother's changed a lot. It is it is season twenty five. Yeah, Jared and his mother, Sari, are both in the game. They're keeping their mother-son relationship a secret throughout the season. However, at the same time, Jared is able to have a sexual relationship with a girl within the house with, without his mother knowing or seeing anything. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of like you're in high school and you're kind of trying to sneak in to your bedroom. and, and Yeah, bring I was your... going to say, like, that's, that's stuff that was done in my teens, but, like, right. I couldn't imagine doing that on national television. And national television, yeah, dude, not on TV. Well, not I'm happily TV. married, so when I go in, uh, that's obviously the uh, there would be no showman's here. So, <laughs> and Kristen, you, have you, have... you know, like... yeah, yeah. Kristen, you want to? You thought about you? You're thinking about uh, applying for Big Brother as well, aren't you? I was gonna throw my hat in the ring this year, um, and instead, I got knocked up. So. Uh... <laughs> That got delayed a little bit. Congratulations. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, and I, this could have been my year too, with half the the cast being older than thirty. I was like, Yeah, that's what I was yeah. excited about. Like, and and two of them made it really far to the end. I mean, like Felicia and Sari were the last two voted out. Yeah. So, that's a very good point because they usually say usually it's a young man's game uh, on Big Brother, but looks like they're really trying to mix it up with the age ranges and the ethnicity. And of course you have all three of them, something they offer the, the first Australian to win us yeah. Big brother, the first sick Indian to win Big brother or the first deaf man, yep. uh, deaf person to win big brother. So there's like, not win, just be, be yeah, it would all, yeah, if they were to win, yeah, if they were to win. They, they would it's, be, the it's going to be a first. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a first for, for all, all three uh, of them. So. I like the cast this year, um, for for the most part, um, and and it was a little strange with the powers, right? Because it seemed like at any point in time, Big Brother could just be like, okay, now that this is this is how the game's played, which was fun, but <clears throat> I feel like the whole Jag saving thing, um, I have a problem with that. Like, I don't mind battle backs. I think that I think those are fun. They've I always liked them when I was you know throughout the seasons because they've been doing mm-hmm. that for a long time um season six i believe is one of the first but uh what was i gonna say um uh, yeah the cast uh so but like with with the power with that one house guest who got evicted i think we talked about this too um he he got kicked out the show because he used the a slur that he shouldn't have used and i feel like the whole jag not going home that week was was just to fix the number you know, because they still wanted to do two double evictions later on in the year anyway. So that's that's I thought that power was way too strong. Like I like the subtle things and the little changes here and there. Like when right. when uh, uh, um, Cameron had to um, put pies in all the faces that, of the people who were <laughs> evicted or uh, on the yes. block. That right. was great. Um, especially when Lizzie takes her glasses off and you know and then she's just after she knows that she's off she's like puts her glasses back on I'm like because I I didn't really I didn't like her game much but um oh god yeah me neither uh, I'm not not a fan of her gameplay at all I have to agree with you though the one that bothered me was the secret HOH being able to compete again because I felt like that was straight up production trying to keep jag in power yeah there was a there's like a bit of that where i was like that's a little too much i guess yeah they could have done it they could have done it. i don't know the problem would be then who's going to be able to uh, if you do that then if you're going to have a secret hoh well then one person that person can't compete next week or i guess how, how do you how do you sh- keep that a secret so you just do a, a a private HOH where everybody goes off, does their thing, and they reveal uh, the time it, three times. Like a timed thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they and they do that. That would have been the easiest way. That person's just, you know, disqualified their score, but they still, you know, go out there, do their thing um for a set amount of time. But it felt very produced in that moment so that he had the opportunity to win back to back. Because wow. he was in danger. He was in danger of getting evicted again because at that point he was on a roll with his yeah. time. Now, yeah. speaking of Jag, Kristen, you told me something really interesting, which I, I'm not sure if I don't know where your sources are, but you so it pretty much blew my mind. 
you said or what you told me was that the producers had to convince Jag to keep Matt and he was actually contemplating turning his back on his Minutemen and vote him out. He was considering it, but the producers talked to him in the in the diary room, convincing him to keep Matt. It, what what do you know about that? And do you do you believe that's true? So I don't believe it's true. I think social media was in an uproar trying to implicate that um, because he was in the diary room for, I think, like about 40 minutes or so. And then the feeds cut out. But apparently the feeds cut out um, so that they could do the rehearsal for the live episode, etc. Um, and yes, Jag was definitely at one point contemplating, you know, pulling the trigger on evicting Matt. Um, but I think his conscience got the best of him and he, you know, felt like he owed Matt, which he kind of did. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. He used the power on him and saved him. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think it's uh, I've seen it argued both ways. Like production would have never done that. But then it was like the producers absolutely talked him out of, you know, evicting Matt. Um Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I, I don't buy that, but I will say from what I've heard, uh, talking, I've not personally talking to him, but just listening to house guests outside of the house, kind of talking about production and stuff, okay. their line of questions and, and they can kind of, they can kind of influence. Well, do you think that that's a good idea? You know, well, what, what about this? You know, and it's, it's the way that they ask the questions in the diary room, because you never see that part. Um, uh, can put things in in the house guests and then in that form they've been able to manipulate the show right or manipulate it in a certain way right um if if, if he sends matt home jag can't win that's no the people will be pissed the yeah, jury will the be jury so will be on off. fire yep and and yeah. glad he was thinking um yeah that 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 would be like the ultimate betrayal i mean i think of the Minutemen analogous to, you know, um, chill, chill town and, and, um, Derek and, and Cody, Cody. Cody. Yeah. Yeah. The, you the know, and, and the hitman. Yeah. They, they could have turned, you know, both, both duos could have turned on each other, but they didn't. And, you know, I think it's the, the right thing to get them both uh, into the finale, but, uh, you know, Bowie Jean, she's been actually a little strong now that there's like, you know, less people she's been winning hohs she's yeah. showing she's kind of a force to be reckoned with and she wasn't getting any tv time in the beginning uh especially right. that first half. well i mean there's a lot of people in the house to begin she with, was so. like that girl victoria like just right. kind of hiding like, who's that oh yeah, yeah the australian girl the australian well, girl she was kind uh, of like casey right when casey took the victory over tyler yeah i remember thinking like I don't even remember her from the first half of the season because she right. didn't have the opportunity to compete in the veto. Right. Her name just never was selected. So we had to wait for the crowd to thin out a little bit right. for her to have her chance. So yeah. who do you think's going to win guys? Yeah. Um, you know, Jag is so good at the endurance comps. I see him winning. I see him winning HOH, and then it's going to go down to Jag and Matt. Honestly, if it's Jag and Matt, Matt wins. I can see some. I can see some sympathy votes for Matt. You know, I, um, I think Matt played, wins. 
he I played think... a little yeah more honest game you know cleaner he was cleaner Jack, okay. Jack. cleaner Matt wins for social game for comp wins for the fact that he is playing in a house that is built on whispers and this guy can't hear. So like yeah. if anything, he is overcompensating with his social game to, you know, to just be able to play off of that. And I think, you know, granted, it could come down to the speeches because we saw last season, I think Taylor really stole a few votes with her, you know, last minute plea to the jury. Um, but I think Jag's got yeah. some bitter jury as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Play against them. He put most of them there and a lot of them were blind sides. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, he was, he was in a new alliance every, the, the, the yeah. alliance part of big brother has, it's fascinating how that's changed. Yeah. Like it, it's yeah. not, it's just everybody. If you're in a room in the same public, Hey, alliance, right? The foursome four. Ah. And then no one's like, that's not a real alliance. Jag is highly intelligent. He played a very strategic game. And one thing that's, I don't know if I, I, how this sits with me, but how he was able to convince Bowie to do the uh, name and number from one to 100. Yeah. See, and he, premeditated, he premeditated that for him to like not be on the block, you know, next to Felicia for the, you know, for that recent, uh, you know. Also, what was the reason for it? It's the last, like, it, that nomination doesn't matter at all. It comes down to veto. So yeah. what was the purpose of that? Yeah. He was scared. He was scared that what would happen to everybody else who was the pawn. Because yeah. the pawn went home a lot this season. So, you know, rule number one, don't be on the block. There yeah. you go. And that's one thing Matt was able to accomplish. And I think that will also work in last week. Yeah, that's right. That's one thing that will work in his favor. And he was he, never gonna... anybody's target. Yeah. So nobody was I'm like, gonna... I want Matt out of here. It was always so, Matt and Jag as a as a duo. Yeah. So I so we we're all in agreement. We think that uh, Matt and Jag will be the final two, and we we believe that Matt will win the votes. Um, if it yeah, Bowie. The only way Bowie goes is if she wins HOH. It's the only way Bowie goes is his final two. I just I cannot see. Matt or Jag turning on each other. I can't. I just can't see it. Because you're going right. to, that means you're killing a, that's a dead jury vote right there. Now yeah. they're not going to have time to taint the jury, but they won't need to. If Bowie wins, she's taking Jag, though. That's safe to assume. Not if she's smart. Interesting. I, mean, I, think I don't, I don't think knows the writings on the wall, no matter yeah. who she takes. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I think she's got a better, it would be hard, her her HOH, she did, like, she had a couple of non-HOHs, right? Because she had, like, got the middle one in a, in a, uh, um, in a double eviction, and that HOH doesn't mean anything, right? Except for you're safe and stuff. But uh, anyway, right. uh, and then, um, and you put that against Jags wins. And then Jags won all the time. So it's like, but Jags game's dirty. And he and if Jags sends Matt home, then yeah, it's, there's no way. They're going to see that immediately. Wow. Unless Bowie wins. But, unless yeah. Bowie wins, yeah. I wanted to mention something about Jag, which I thought was uh, when America was voted <laughs> out. Uh, she called out Matt 
um, Jag having bad breath and asking for lap dances. Why haven't we seen Jag asking for lap dances? Uh, that was was that an essential part of maybe the live feeds? And then CBS decided not to air Jag asking all the women, I guess, for lap dances. Uh, where was that coming from? Do you guys? I, she really I went for not, the juggler, by the way. I did not. Um, I didn't see that part of Jag at all. They must have cut in pretty good. Uh, that's the other yeah. thing, man. You don't really know these people, you know. Um, yeah. I used to watch a live feeds a lot. Um, right. But uh, I haven't in a long time because watching Big yeah. Brother, it kind of sucks, you know, because the only good episode is going to be the Thursday. I mean, you get to see the DRs, which is important. Right. But, um, but it just kind of sucks knowing everything that's going to happen on Sunday. Yes. You know, because they're like, yeah. there's three days of deliberation as to who, you know, the, the veto is done. There's like, if Wednesday's the veto, uh, I mean, they have all the way till Thursday to see who's going to actually be voted out. It's a pressure cooker, man. Yeah. It's a, it's a definitely a lot to keep up with. And who do you think is going to win America's vote? As Matt. you know, yeah, oh, like, really. Matt also. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, Matt's kind of like the, uh, the darling right now. I think yeah, he's, he's a sweetheart. And I mean, yeah. he's he's not he's handicapped. You know, I mean, I don't know. Is that the right word? I'm sorry. Uh, uh, he has a disability. Yeah, he has a disability. I'm sorry. That's a better thing to say. Um, yeah. And it's not it's it's something that's like you need to be able to hear in this game. And, you know, you <laughs> see that it, it affected him at some point, you know, and yeah, everybody's whispering and he can't hear it. He can't hear. Anything. Yeah. So but it's like, could that I would say also, it's almost unfair. Yeah, I was going to say, could that also be his superpower, though? Because he has grown up with the inability to hear. He probably reads body language that much stronger. And it's yeah. like him having Derek's police training to be able to read, go in and read a room and read people's body language. Wow. That's another thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's I don't a very think interesting they're thinking point. about that. Yeah. But so he, Derek he had the upper hand on reading body language due to his police training. Um Matt really leaned on Jag too, though. You know, like I, I don't know if it, it seemed like whenever Jag would come to him with something, like Matt would not really have much to offer. You know, and it would be Jag's ideas that pushed everything forward. Like, I don't recall mm -hmm. Matt ever making a big game move on his own initiative. You know, everything was always, you Ooh, know, wow. talk, talking with Jag, too. So, um, but out I mean, Suri, maybe because he, he was very close to Suri. He was very vocal about that in the DR room that he didn't want to do that. But right. he, he never stood up to Jag. Yeah. So that was still mostly Jag. It wasn't right. Really... So he he didn't have any power anyway. It was it was her and her and Bowie Jane. But he could have respectfully asked for that and say, "I don't want to do that. I don't want to send Sari home. Not on my yeah. age." Interesting. Wow. This is uh, this is this has been a quite a season, and we're really looking forward to thursday's uh finale to see what happens and uh see who's the next big uh big brother winner and i think they're also bringing back uh celebrity big brother aren't they um i imagine yeah. they would um uh, it would that's be a been smart pretty thing. good too that's a nice little yeah. 
winter reprieve. Yeah, winter reprieve. <laughs> yeah. So especially with the uh the actor strike, if it continues, they're gonna um have more content. But uh, this has been a fun talk about Big yeah. Brother. Um I was gonna say I'm I'm throwing my hat in the ring for that one too. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, yeah, yeah, Chris, Chris and Michelle. <laughs> You got your celebrity status going on. I love it. Well, I appreciate both of you joining the talk big brother. Um, the rest of the panel and I, we're, we're going to talk about a couple more TV things. Um, if you want to stick around, if you have to drop off, I totally, we totally understand that as well, but I appreciate you talking uh, about one of my favorite guilty pleasures in big brother. Mine too. Mine too. <laughs> it's a guilty pleasure as well. Yeah. Oh, oh, are you kidding me? I love, I, dude, I'm a, I'm a studier of the game. Well, dude. I think it's your pleasure, but for me, it's like a guilty pleasure. It's like, uh, <laughs> well, it's a guilty it. pleasure, but I'm not, I don't know. You're right. It's just a pleasure for me. Cause I'm not yeah. guilty you know, at all about it. You know, you know, it's, there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure, whatever really? you enjoy, you need to own it, whatever. Yeah. It and, you um, you know, it listening to you guys talk about big brother, which is a topic that I honestly know absolutely nothing about it's still pretty fascinating to hear like, you know, as you're talking about strategies and you're talking about like, um, you know, the, you know, the whole like game theory behind it and everything. So yeah, oh, dude, I it mean, gets deep when you get yeah. big brother fans to get, I like, I love it. Like as soon as I see it, like I'm talking to somebody and they're like, Oh yeah, big brother, like Carrie Ann, my wife, like was one of one of the things that we would always get into. And we would be the only two people talking about big brother. Like it's a fucking football game, you know? <laughs> and i think so it's one of the few reality shows that's a little it's a little more um cerebral um because yep. you know you, you see your housewives <laughs> and your freaking kardashians and and you know a lot of the, the uh, reality tv garbage and big brother is just not that there's a lot well more the, the there's other reality shows they're just uh they're just intended to be just spectacles. Like Big Brother still has the thing with Survivor. Is Amazing Race still on the air? Like that was like a big deal for a while. Oh yeah. Oh, it is. Race okay. Is still in there. So, so I yeah. mean, that's that's what would make it more interesting, at least for me. So maybe I'll okay. down and do a little cool deep dive of my own. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, we're going to talk a little bit more stuff on, on TV. Um, you guys feel like uh, Kristen and uh, Kenny, do you want to uh, chill out for a little bit? or? Uh, I'm going to go, but I, I wanted to type those rules in here real quick. Just in okay. case, Kristen, you do go. Yeah. Oh, big brother. Okay. Uh, but this is, no, this is the, please. your, go, your go, rule go, of go fours. Ahead. Yeah, I have four. I'll, I'll say fours. goodbye because as soon as I enter, I'll, I'll just go ahead and leave for the night. <laughs> Well, uh, we'd like to thank, of course, Kenny Hopkins uh, for joining us here on BTB. Talk some Big Brother, um, and we'll love to have you back soon, man. Yeah, sounds great, man. I love being here. Uh, so, sorry, before you go, I want to pitch the three of you a podcast. It is the Riff Tracks version of Big Brother, because listening to you guys, <laughs> talk about it, I, that is the show I, I want to watch. That would be funny, least- dude. I want to hear you guys watch a show in real time talking about all the, the machinations and the behind the scenes. And like that to me is how you would get somebody like myself to go back to watch previous big brothers. Wow. Cause I'm just listening. I'm listening to yeah. you and I'm like, this makes a lot more sense than like what I've watched on the show. If I catch <laughs> a single episode. 
And you don't even need you don't even need an incest angle. Absolutely. (laughs) Dude, there are so many particular games I I I could go down studied. I've studied these guys' games, like winners of the past, like things that people have done. Yeah. Anyway, so let me get off here. But yes again, guys. Penny, I'm gonna read it what you wrote. That's uh rule one, don't be on the block. Rule two, anything said to one is said to all. That makes a lot of sense. Number three, always play for next week. And number four, don't feel safe. Now, each of those are very intricate. I know, I know that like don't be on the block, rule number one, right? If you pass that rule, then you're never gonna you're, you're gonna win the game, right? But it's more than that. Like, don't agree to be the freaking pawn. Yes. Like, there you don't go. be on the block. All right. So, <laughs> all right, thanks, Getty. Hey, Chris, you're gonna block. hang out with us for for a bit. We're uh yeah. I'll, awesome. I'm more than happy to hang out. Give yeah. The you know. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're not going too much longer. So we're, uh, well, let's talk a little bit about some stuff going on in Amazon. Interestingly enough, Sound of Freedom, if you didn't see it, will be streaming on Amazon on December 26th. Of course, it has a little bit of controversy based on, um, you know, the, the protagonist was based on someone that allegedly had some demons of his own or or or, or uh issues or you know the, to the actor that was portraying him so and of course they had that weird pay it forward thing where is did it really you know <laughs> make that box office numbers that it did when people are just paying it forward and allowing people to buy tickets and donate for others but if you missed it it's going to be on amazon that's but, um, the uh, that's the QAnon movie. That's the Q- <laughs> that's what they're calling. That the is QAnon. the QAnon movie. That is what they're calling it. That's kind of crazy. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, I I haven't seen it. Um, but you know, I, curiosity kind of killed the cat. I'm, I'm I'm, and now that's going to be on Amazon for free. Then I mean, you know. it it is uh, it is it is kind of like half of me is is uh, kind of curious to see what it's like in that, you know. There's a there's always um, there's always kind of a I guess an inner uh, inner conflict I have where I am curious to see it because it is right. something people talked about and so you know I'm not saying I'll see it because I support the people who made it or the kinds of people that usually that it's supposed to cater towards but at the same time it's like uh, it you know. The same way that I'd be curious to see Birth of a Nation or uh, <laughs> something like that, which is roundly exactly. considered. Yeah, it's yeah. like. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned the QAnon, but, you know, one thing is that we can all agree on whether whether wherever you lie on the political spectrum is that child trafficking and um, adult, you know. This human trafficking is abhorrent and yeah, yeah, that's a, that is that is objectively a bad thing. Child trafficking right. is never a good thing, right? Exactly. So, one uh, a show that I know you watch Zod on Amazon is the boys spinoff Gen V. Yes, I do. Have you have you guys uh, finished it? I'm actually behind. I I did finish it. It was it, uh, yes, and I don't mind talking a little. Uh, about some things that happened, but uh, I did hear that uh, Homelander and uh, 
Billy the Butcher uh, made uh, an appearance. Yeah, in the they made episode. they made yeah. they made some um they made some uh they made cameos at the end. Billy the Butcher shows up in a post credit sequence, and Homelander Homelander shows up at the exact end and has one or maybe two lines, and um, it's uh. I thought the last episode was a little rushed. Like there were some sudden changes in um, some of the characters that I don't think were entirely earned. Like in terms of like uh, how they uh, how they did, but I mean it was still super fun show. Like they, um, I did like uh, I did like the like there's still because a, a lot of what it was is i mean the it's and it ends entirely setting up whenever the next season of the boys comes out and it's so clear that a lot of characters from gen v are going to appear in the boys really but with the ending where basically some of the godolkin university soups are stuck inside and stuck inside some kind of hospital with no doors and no clue how mm-hmm. they got there Right. So that's kind of another cliffhanger to see mm-hmm. how that gets resolved. So, uh, man, The Boys is just one of the craziest shows out there. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen Kristen, have you seen The Boys? I love it. <laughs> you love it. Okay, yeah. cool. Are you watching Gen V? I am not, only because I'm hoarding some shows for maternity leave since okay. I'm, you know, going to be up for the midnight feedings and all of that stuff. So I'm trying to hold <laughs> up what I can with the writer's strike. There you uh, go. Limiting what's to come. So okay. <laughs> so you will, but you do intend on during those through those periods of uh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. Um yeah, Gen V is definitely next on my list. And uh also on Amazon is Invincible and um I uh that's another one I need to start soon. Either of you seen Invincible? Yeah, I've season seen two. I mean, did you see the first season or have you I not saw, watched oh, that yeah. season? The the first season was amazing. I couldn't yeah. believe just the just the WTF moment with Omni Man versus uh Invincible himself was just crazy. But uh the uh the, they've only had one episode. They may have dropped another episode. Um did they they might have dropped the second one today. I'm not sure. Yeah. But, Michael, but are the... you watching uh, Invincible? So uh, with Gen V and Invincible, I'm waiting for like all the episodes to drop because I know there are okay. certain shows I don't have the patience to like wait a week for. Right. Like, the Marvel stuff I can kind of pace out a little bit. Okay. Uh, but th- those are the ones that I'm like, all right, I just want to dedicate like a Saturday morning and just power through. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Or, did you see? That... Did you see the uh, the prequel, the um, Adam Eve? Yes, no. I did watch that one episode. That I guess it's a uh, origin story of Adam Eve, right? Right. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah, that was cool. that was really cool. It's. Uh, I will say that I mean, it's so far, it's really, really, really. I mean, the the whole first season was like this too. It's really, really, really. Fa- uh, faithful to the the comic book source comic material book, the source like they material, haven't really yes. they haven't really diverged from the comic at all right. which is which is kind of unusual for um any sort of like tv or movie adaptation of any sort of like superhero property but it's uh i mean yeah it's it's cool to see they're 
it's it's still gory and violent as fuck and uh <laughs> there's awesome uh, and the, well the you saw one episode of season two uh, what can you tell us about that that episode well like i said i mean even with that like it's uh it's they're developing angstrom levy as a um going to be a major antagonist pretty soon and mm-hmm. one thing that i know um might give some people pause and at least for me when people talk about like superhero fatigue i think a lot of the superhero fatigue people are feeling is because literally every single superhero property across all universes and all ips is doing a multiverse story like literally every single one marvel dc um and Everything so is all at once <laughs> yes and so is so is invincible invincible oh, yeah wow. the boys hasn't done one but <laughs> i imagine they will eventually but maybe they um, will yeah yeah Interesting but that's like that they do that. but that's yeah. like a the multiverse is a pretty big plot point at least in the first episode and all right well i can't wait to watch it man you got me something to look forward to uh let's see yeah. over on amazon we also have reacher season two they just dropped a new trailer and uh, it's going to debut with the first three episodes on December 15th. If you were a fan of the first Reacher. Um, uh, what else do we got? Well, uh, over on FX, which is also Hulu, uh, there's a really cool series called Shogun, which looks uh, really, really cool. It's based on James Covell's 1975 novel, with the same name, and it's a limited series set in Japan in the year 1600s. And um, yes, that's like the Shogun era right there, um, which is very, very, uh, very cool era in in, in Japanese uh, history. Um, so uh, that trailer just dropped. That's definitely worth a look. And then Ryan Murphy has his new series um, called American Sports Story. So, you know, he's got American Horror Story, Monster. Um, and now he's got I wish American he would Sports do, I wish Story. he would do a, another season of The Politician. That was such a great show. <laughs> Did that already have its demise, The Politician? I don't know. They haven't. They they they. Uh, they only had two the, seasons, right? They had two seasons, and the last season came out in like 2019. So I'm imagining it's not. They're not making new seasons. I don't think they are. Yeah. And but, that was such a fun show. And. <laughs> Come on, Ryan Murphy. You don't need to do American blank stories. Give me more politicians. Yeah. So this one's all about uh, uh, Hernandez, um, Aaron Hernandez. And as you know, he was the uh, former New England Patriot who Who murdered uh, murdered someone and then killed himself. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a pretty dark, dark uh, subject matter. And, well, uh, I guess that's... that. So, so did the OJ thing? I guess is it going to be retroactively considered part of American sports stories to that yeah, OJ well, show he did? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's interesting because that that fell under American history stories, or what was or that? like what's American yeah, scandal OJ, or something like that? Yeah, it had another very similar title, um, um, the People versus OJ Simpson, and then it had some kind of other like American. Well. If only there was some way to find this out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, there you go. Uh, You're both very fast with your fingers, so they say. Yeah. (laughs) But it it had something like American Crime Story. There we go. I knew it. I knew there was a, yeah, American Crime Stories. Yes. (laughs) People versus OJ. So American Crime, American Sports, American Horror. It's got like all that stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then you have, of course, The Bear, which is really – see, so many of my friends love that show, The Bear, but I just never got into it. I just – Have you seen under- it at all? I haven't. I haven't, I haven't but I'm trying, I'm trying to understand we, the phenomenon about it. But it's, So we're on episode five. We just started watching it. Season one? It's not bad of season one. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. Interesting. I like it. It makes me hungry, but I like <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Well, it also does something that I've never seen shows do, which is like yeah. episode one throws you right into the middle of the story. Like okay. normally there's a lot of setup to explain what's going on, but it's a show that you have to pay attention because each episode you can learn a little bit more and more and more and more and more about what happened and why he's there. Mm-hmm. Instead of just like episode one, he blah, 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 blah. And then he now owns the restaurant. You know that's, uh, that's, a, that's 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 kind of a device that's actually used a lot in TV shows, but yeah, yeah. it's awesome. But the way well, so... I, I haven't seen the way they're doing it done. Oh, really? This way a lot, yeah. Well, that show us uh, greenlit for a third season, which will air sometime in twenty twenty four. So uh, that I mean, you know, I know um, the lead actor, Jeremy Allen White, has uh, gotten some. Emmy nods for uh, his work on the bear. He's a uh, he's he's gonna be he's gonna be in that um um God. the wrestling movie. Yeah, the wrestling movie, which actually looks really good. Oh, the Von Erichs, yes, yeah, with that, Zac that, Efron. Yeah, that trailer. The tra- I saw the trailer for that. That's like, the Iron Claw. Yeah, the Iron Claw. Yeah. Sad you're gonna watch that. I love that. I Absolutely, because you're not a wrestling fan, but Michael and I are. And yeah. we're gonna watch it, but you, you're intrigued by the storyline. Yeah, well, I know this story. Like, didn't like all of them most of them died. Yeah, yep. I think there's only one alive now of the brothers. Okay. Yeah, so it does have a tragic tale tied into it, which is you get. Pretty I remember, dark. I remember vaguely the Von Erichs in the '80s, like uh, back when I did watch wrestling. So yeah, yep. And then over on FX, we're also getting Prison Break again. Why, why Prison Break again? Well, it's a, a new series set in the world of the popular Fox drama, and it's also going to be developed by Hulu. So uh, look out for that if you're a fan of that. Um, Are they going to have any of the um, cast cast members from the Because I know, like the two stars of that show went on to do the Arrowverse stuff. They were both in Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, that's interesting that you mentioned that. Um, and I don't think I have very much information on that, but yeah, you had some um, great actors involved with the original Prison Break. But uh, so let's see. Okay, so I'm reading here is not expected to feature the characters at the center of the original Jailhouse drama. So now. So it's a complete, complete reboot, I guess. I mean, it would be it would be interesting to tie in at least maybe one of the legacy characters, you know, to kind of make it, you know, a sequel series of sorts. But it looks like they're going the reboot route. So, so are you disappointed to hear that, Zod? No, I'm I'm good with that. I've never actually seen the original show, oh, okay. so it's like yeah. uh, it's it's hard for me to have a uh have an opinion about that one way or the other right <laughs> uh got some news on cw superman and lois apparently the upcoming fourth season will be the last so that means there's no more dc on cw um because yeah with the arrow arrow ending flash ending 
Supergirl ending. They're pretty it's much just Star Girl. I think Star Girl's done too. Yeah. Yeah. That leaves um you know, of course they have one more season. But apparently that was, you know, the fans of that show really like the show. I don't know um Rainmaker, have you seen any of uh Superman and Lois on CW? I saw I think the first season and half of the second season. Okay. It wasn't bad. I liked it. I just I kind of got CW superhero fatigue after a while and yeah. put it on hold and thought I'd come back to it. Which there is kind of a shame because at its height, it was fantastic. Like yeah. uh, when they did, um, uh, you know, when they'd have those, because, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, it's hurt by the fact that they, each of the shows had to have so many episodes, like 23 right. episodes right. a season, but like they, um, yeah, I mean, like that crisis of in- infinite earths crossover. <laughs> was really well done and yeah. Uh, um yeah it, getting it, brandon ralph back as as kingdom come superman like that yeah. was awesome yeah yeah so i don't and know it, it's it's a it's, it's a, an end it, of the era it's an end i of guess era, i mean sadly. that's a chapter that probably did need to end but i mean you know it it provided a lot of entertainment and legends of tomorrow was even though that was the least connected to the DC universe of any of them, right. that was in a lot of ways such a fun show. Like that was, yeah. that may have been my favorite of the shows. Eventually, it had that yeah, I sense mean, of humor that the other shows didn't really have as as much. Right? It was a little yeah. quirky, the crazy comedy, which is always. I wish DC would thing. have just paid attention and said, "Okay, we have all of these super hot popular characters. Mm-hmm. Let's give them." a movie not like a made for tv movie like we got with crisis for infinite but actually give them like a movie so you have something to look for kind of what marvel initially wanted to do with like agents of shield right Mm -hmm. and then when they went off and did like the snyder stuff and they left it separate it just it felt like the energy kind of peeled out of it a little bit interesting and why the hell didn't grant gustin appear in the flash (laughs) like it just doesn't make any sense Especially you, when Ezra Miller Miller appeared in appeared the show. on the show. <laughs> You're yeah. right. He was on he was on the Flash TV show. Yeah. Oh Lord. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of DC, uh, Aquaman himself, Jason Momoa, will be hosting Saturday Night Live. Uh, I guess. Uh, I guess in a way to promote uh, Lost Kingdom. Although I'm not sure if he's allowed to promote aquaman with the strike going on but uh interesting enough saturday Night live is only other than reality television like big brother saturday Night live is the only thing that's allowed to continue you know uh which i think it's crazy because now sag after has has received its last best and final offer from the studios and amptp and now we're on 116 days of the actor strike and we're no feature films or TV shows are being filmed unless they have like an interim agreement. Um, and apparently they're reviewing it, but a lot of the, a lot of the uh, disagreement still stems from AI. They, they, they basically have big differences on essential items, including AI. And they're basically uh, want just greater protection, you know, um, and uh, I mean, it makes sense, but it's like, I mean, AI is the future. 
sadly and the actors you know it's a, it's a crazy situation because you know when an actor passes on or retires that you know they have all this footage they can retain you know we we're talking a little bit earlier with the beatles you know bringing back um you know john lennon and, and a younger voice of paul mccartney and that's okay but now now on the other side of the fence on the actor's side the actors want to be compensated for such but there's no protection for that yet so we got a long way i think um even though they said it's a last and final offer i, I think we still got a little, a little bit uh we still got a little bit to go i think um i think we're really looking into 2024 i mean we're about to go into the uh the holiday season you know yeah i yeah. they tried the best and final offer with the wga and ended up caving and giving them the contract they always wanted in the first place right, right. so i'm curious like you're heading into the end of the year you're looking at stockholders and shareholders questioning you know for the bonuses and things like that that it could have been paid out this year the, the fraction of money that could have been set aside for SAG, like, why are we doing this? So right. I'm very curious. Like, I think when I heard best and final offer, I'm like, oh, there's going to be a better deal coming. Cause like they did it with WGA. Like, right. Uh, but you're, you're a member of SAG. So I'm very curious what your opinion is. Well, they, the thing is that they haven't even mentioned all the details. We're still kind of, some of it is really kept under the wraps. All I know is that there's still some major, push and pull with the AI agreement. Maybe, maybe they were happy with the residual um, contract, but now it's still the AI protection uh, and, and asking for, you know, payment, minimum SAG payment. If you use your image for something else and you're not on set or you weren't hired to work, they want to use your image that they can, they, they still entitled to pay you, you know? And yeah, it's, um, it can be really tricky. It'd be really tricky, but um, that's a thing. They haven't like until they agree. We're not going to know all the details. It's, it seems because they they don't really release all the details of the new contract, and it's only the members of the board of SAG that are privy to that. And then they release. Okay, this is what we agreed to, and everyone else just has to adhere to it. You know, so it's kind of it's kind of a kind of a quandary, really. So, well, do like you to... as a, do you as a member of SAG like um, when was the last time you took play you took part in a like any sort of election like uh, do you uh... yeah I mean I, I vote for the local board um, for the Mid Atlantic okay. um, office and of course I vote in the SAG awards for for you know all the achievements uh, in film and television for the upcoming SAG awards so I'm I'm really active in the voting process. Okay. Okay. I mean, like, is it, do they have a thing where they, um, like, do you vote on the contracts too, or is that entirely done? Yeah. So there's, there's some aspects of, 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 um, and basically it's a yes or no. If, if there's a contract, um, like there recently was one about video games and, Mm -hmm. and I guess an amendment to the video game contract for actors that do motion capture. And it was basically a yes or no. Do you, you agree with this contract um so yes there have been instances when that has happened okay um, yeah um but for this one it's kind of out of our hands right now it's just really up to the board so i guess there's so many so much uh 
which I think is kind of odd because we're allowed to vote on other aspects. But when it comes to this major, major revised contract, we're kind of just like waiting and hoping they have our best interest, you know? So crazy yeah. situation, man. Crazy situation. So uh, we got some other things here. Um, but I know that uh, myself and Michael are going to talk some WWE, and I know you guys are to to that but uh i guess before we get into the WWE stuff um it's a couple like uh celebrity gossip things um now there's a new uh new person in the me too uh situation danny elfman this isn't surprising because you know he's the composer for all tim burton stuff and apparently now he has allegations from a woman who accused him of sexual abuse from 1997 to 2002 and of course he claims that it's maliciously filed for embarrassing him and extorting money and this woman is from maryland she was 47 years old she came forward with accusations against elfman and um at the time she was at the new york film academy when it when it when she alleges that it happened so that's a surprising one to hear. I mean, and we know about Russell Brand. He's actually facing more lawsuits. Mm. Um, this latest one is that he exposed himself in front of the cast and crew while filming the 2010, 2010 remake of Arthur. And then he followed one of the background actresses in the bathroom and assaulted her as a member of the production crew guarded the do door from the outside. That's fucking crazy. That, That's that, pretty he's an, he's an enabler. The production crew... Guarded the door from the outside while he followed her to the bathroom. I mean, that's pretty fucking despicable. Yeah. Well, is it? I mean, so is the um, is the accusation actual sexual assault? Like he is, he actually yeah. assaulted her. Yeah, it's sexual assault. Yep. It's not yeah. just harassment. Yes, and of course, in September, four women accuse Russell Brown of of, of rape and sexual assault um, between two thousand six and twenty thirteen. So he's so, got a Danny Masterson future ahead of him, huh? He very well could. Yeah, he very, very well could. So it's not really looking good in, on his on his end. And then you have like people like Robert De Niro, who now it's not assault or anything. It's not me too. But apparently his longtime personal assistant took the stand to say that she was chronically mistreated and he was he had anger management issues. And then, and then that he that he like required her to do like menial tasks and keep her phone on and uh, you know past regular work hours, you know, just things that are just above and beyond, you know, what she. Uh, so she sued. She sued yeah. Robert De Niro. Yeah, that sounds like an old job I had. For really, yeah. Wow. Uh, basically, uh, gender discrimination, and then he countersued. Uh, De Niro countersued this woman for six million for stealing airline miles and slacking off on the job. So, kind of a cra crazy back and forth situation there. And this was really weird. You know, Ab Abigail Breslin. She's an actress. Apparently, she worked on a movie with Aaron Eckhart. Apparently, okay. um, accuses him of uh, acting aggressively towards her on the set of the movie. To the point that she was afraid to be in the room with uh, him alone. And um, yeah, she was also in Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. And apparently the suit claims that her 
accusations cost the film $80,000 because of, uh, I guess, the accusations she had against Aaron Eckhart. So, um, yeah, kind of crazy, kind of crazy situation there. So that's all I have in celebrity gossip. And, uh, um, but I guess, you know, uh, we're going to end tonight with some uh, WWE Crown Jewel talk. And I guess at this point we could probably let uh, Kristen and, and uh, General Zod bid adieu. Would that be a, a wise thing, General Zod? That's yeah, I think I it is unless uh, you want to talk I want unless you want to talk some crown jewel with us. We're just that's I, how we're in the uh, show. I I <laughs> if I if I knew anything about it, I would happily talk about it. But uh, okay. like, what I would wind up doing is interjecting with stupid stuff and completely derailing <laughs> your very, very you know, I'll be like, Oh, what about Ricky the Dragon Steamboat or Lex Luger? Or something like that. And, uh, You'll be throwing in the improv of old school eighties wrestling, but uh, yeah, yeah. But so, let's go ahead and say long, goodbye. As long as it is the yes end of wrestling improv. <laughs> yeah, well, the yes well, end. One of, my, one of my absolute favorite things, actually. Um, your uh, Al, your um, one one instructor, Mike Harris. He is. He's the one who actually told me this about how. Um, you know, there's only one kind of improv that actually includes physical exertion, and that's called pro wrestling, because that's exactly what imp- wow. like pro wrestling is. It is improv. improv. Yeah. You're right. Very it's much a lot so, of it's, yeah. Except for the ending. Usually the ending is kind of like... Uh, well, even yeah, the ending... Naked, the, the, depending on what happens in the middle of the ring, like there are times where the referee could get a call and say, we're changing it, or, yeah. you know, the... Uh, the new guy doesn't know that he's getting put over, so he's told something different. Or if somebody gets injured, like if somebody gets right. injured, they'll flip their like right in the middle of it. Exactly, wow. and so it's a lot. It's it's all the same. It's all the same skills. It's all the same. I mean, well, obviously, pro wrestling has a set of skills that a lot of improv uh, performers don't. But it's right. um, <laughs> it's uh, but like that ability to think on your feet to and. You know, one of the most important things in improv is you have to make your scene partner look good, even if you're in, you know, you're you're supposed to be antagonists or whatever. Yeah. And that's exactly what pro wrestling is. That's why there you go. Yeah. That's why the truly great matches are the ones that are show that both of the um, you know, both uh both of the competitors, you know, the ones that have like the the you know, the kind of epic and back and forth and like, uh, you know, the balance, the shift, the power just keeps changing. Like that is, I mean, that is that, those are those are great improv scenes. Nice. I got to mention that when I see my. But uh, here today. So, hey. Kristen, <laughs> <laughs> were you ever a wrestling fan? I mean, like, I remember watching it as a kid. Um there's the one guy, the Dusty, Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, and there's a. My uncle said that he had beat him up once because we had this folder where he had a black eye. What? Uh, <laughs> yeah, and the whole Your family uncle said he beat up Dusty it, Rhodes. So. Yeah. Holy shit! Awesome. There's a. That sounds like a. That sounds like a super interesting story. You have to. You have to tell it now yeah so like we were just at a family outing and we were talking about the folders that we had and you know how he had a black guy in it and um my dad was like you know your uncle george was the one who gave him 
the the black guy. And I was like, are you serious? So we ran up to our uncle George and we're like, is this true? And without skipping a beat, he just starts playing along. He's like, I don't want to talk about it. And from then on, we were convinced that our uncle beat up Dusty and we went around <laughs> school and we told everybody the story about how our uncle beat him up. Um, it, I, a dream, baby. Yeah. So I'm embarrassed to say how long it took me to figure it out. Um, but yeah, like, so, so there is definitely some of that in my childhood, <laughs> but I, I can't say it was something that I stuck around and like kept up with. Wow. Okay. Well, I guess both, uh, Kristen and, and General Zod wouldn't be able to comment on the current WWE product. So we're going to say goodbye to Kristen and Mike, the General Zod. And, uh, we're not going too much longer rainmaker. Just going to throw out some crown jewel highlights and, uh, We'll wrap up tonight's show, but thank you so much. Chris and Michelle, I know your eyes will be glued to Thursday nights. Big brother finale and uh, General Zod. Maybe we'll see you at some improv next week. Yeah. The showcase. Yeah, absolutely. I won't be missing that. And yes, uh, we got to see the Marvels. Uh, we got to check out the your... Marvels. Yeah. We gotta, we gotta, yeah. And, we talk about... and maybe Killers of the Flower Moon because I do. Want yes. To yes, definitely. All right, so we've been adieu to General Zod and Kristen Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us here on BTB. All right. Thank you. Good night. Good Good night. night. Awesome. All right, so uh, it's the uh, Rainmaker and Soto show. Uh, We'll try to make it real quick (laughs) and and, uh, just talk about who won the pay-per-view picks for Crown Jewel. Happy to announce that we have a new... BTB picks champion Al Celebrity Soto with seven out of eight matches predicted correctly. Well My done. My only wrong match was John Cena going over Solo Sokoa, but I predicted everything else. Seven out of eight. All right. In second so, place, tying ahead. for second place is Wes Whitlock. And Rainmaker Mike Doherty with six okay. out of eight matches predicted correctly. That's still very, very, very good. And believe it or not, not last place because we had another person uh, participate in the picks. Darth Paul Wallace with only 50% matches predicted correctly, four out of eight. And just for fun, Mike, last week we had my buddy Art Hall do the picks. He's yeah. not a wrestling fan. And I was wondering if he would still do better than Darth Paul Wallace <laughs> as just guessing <laughs> randomly the winners. So Art predicted three out of eight matches uh, correctly, just yeah. going on a whim and guessing. Uh, so he's only one. <laughs> Darth Paul only got one more match correct than Art, who doesn't watch any wrestling at all. <laughs> That's <laughs> impressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk. Let's talk about some of the matches, um, really quick. Um, so uh, Sammy Jane, uh, Sammy Zayn, rather versus uh, JD McDonough. I mean, no surprise there. I mean, come on, right? JD is right. not going to go over on that one. So that was we're pretty much uh, other than art, but we pretty much across the board predicted that correctly. And then the women's title, EO Sky versus Bianca Belair. I usually have bet against EO in the past, and I went with my gut. It's like EO's going to retain somehow, and I'm glad I did. 
Yeah, I bet uh, against her only because it's Bianca. Like I thought they were going to give Bianca like the push again. Right. You, Art, and Paul predicted Bianca would win the, the women's championship. Myself and Wes going with EO Sky, but uh, assisting in that match is the returning Carrie Sane. So Carrie Sane as a heel, as a heel, and looked phenomenal. Oh, man, she looked yeah. Great. Um, she uh, interfered in that match. And yes, we um, EO, EO Sky retains a title. How that's going to shake up damage control with EO in the mix. Well, not EO, um, Carrie Sane in the mix. We'll just have to wait and see. And then we move on to Cody Rhodes versus Damian Priest. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty much across the board, we're consistent there. Cody Rhodes, yep. he's a main event caliber wrestler. Damian Priest already has the briefcase. No way that Cody's going to lose that one. So this is where I think was the reason why I won the picks, uh, Raymaker. Uh, Ray Mysterio losing to Paul. Sorry, not Paul. Logan Paul. Logan Paul. That was Logan Paul for the United States Championship. And I believe myself and Darth Paul Wallace were the only two that predicted Logan Paul would win the U.S. title. I figured, you know what? WWE on their pay-per-views usually have no more than one title match. Unless WrestleMania changed hands, and I thought with that one, my my logic was that everything else was going to you know retain. But um, and yes, Logan Paul won with you know with some brass knuckles, you know, but still won the match. Um, are you surprised to see Logan Paul win the U.S. title? Win the title? No. Win the title at this paper premium? Sorry, premium live event. Yeah. Uh, yes. So like, I thought that they would use this to springboard Paul winning at like a U.S. house show where they could definitely yeah. draw a lot. Right. Um, I'm also curious with Paul's schedule, like, are we going, and this is my problem with Reigns, like Reigns right. is turning into Brock Lesnar where he shows up sparing, like the belt's yes. starting to not mean as much because he's not there yes. to defend it. Whereas yes. then you have Seth Rollins, who's like, you will feel bad the minute he loses it if he loses it unfairly. He just defended because, it on Raw against Sami Zayn. Right. Yes, Absolutely. he's the fighting like, champion. That belt now means something. Whereas Reigns is just like, it, it's not even like Undertaker streak where you're like, holy crap. It's just kind of like he shows up. He's got yeah. that Andre, Brock Lesnar. So you're shows afraid up when the same thing status. will happen to the U.S. Championship. And and I agree with that, but I think his reign is not going to be very long. I think Logan Paul is probably going to drop. I would I would like it to keep it uh, through WrestleMania, but you know it's possible he could drop it at Royal Rumble. Um, yeah, like like I said, I wasn't surprised he won. I'm surprised when he won. Like I thought they would he, use this as okay. a use this as an opportunity to not squash him, but like give him a reason right. to come back and fight. Yeah, it's interesting now that um, that Logan Paul's is uh, U.S. champion. It's interesting. Ray Mysterio won the U.S. championship in Alberta, Calgary, Alberta, mm-hmm. Canada, and then he loses the U.S. championship in Saudi Arabia. They're saying it's the first time that it was won and lost outside the U.S. This particular title. It's called the U.S. title, right? But uh, it's an interesting statistic that I that I read. Um, okay, moving on. Um, so John Cena versus Solo Sokoa. Um, you know what? I was really, I really thought Cena was going to win. You know, I mean, uh, 
he hadn't he kept building up the fact that he hasn't won a match, a solo match in a long time. But no, um Wes predicted correctly and uh Mike Doherty, um, you also yeah. predicted that Solo Sokoa will go over, so you got that one right. Um so yeah. I, I've noticed something about Cena's promos. Like he foreshadows what's coming. So really? him him talking about losing so much and losing so much and i don't know if like it's my time i'm he, like he's gonna like that's where i'm like he's gonna lose because he's telling you he's going to lose because when he wins he's like i you can't stop me i'm unstoppable i'm like blah 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 blah, blah. <laughs> right uh and he does that like you know the the loyalty hustle whatever loyalty thing. and respect yeah You're right and like when he's hyping that side of the john cena story he he does the winning streak but this, I think, was, you know, I like Sola Sokoa, but I see Cena doing the same thing to Sokoa that he did to Reigns right before Reigns' big push. Like, if you remember back then, right, like, Cena was uh, razzing Reigns for not being able to cut a promo, all this other fun stuff. And then he goes and calls Solo a second-rate Taz. So, like, he's... <laughs> He's pushing them in the same direction, which yeah. to me, I'm like, all right, Sokoa's getting a push. Like, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you guys, th- that logic worked for you, you and Wes. And then we have the women's championship Rhea Ripley uh, versus Raquel Rodriguez, Shayna Baszler, Zoe Stark, and Nia Jax. Myself, Wes, and Mike. Um, you we also, all, we all predicted, yeah, for Rhea, we all went over on that. Of course, Logan Paul predicts Nia Jax. You know, he's got a, you know, that's what Paul, Darth Paul is known for. Just those <laughs> wild picks. <laughs> um, and interesting enough, Rhea Ripley was also chosen by the non-wrestling fan in art, which is crazy. Um, you know, I think Nia Jax has a potential to win it uh, someday, but I don't think it's uh, going to happen soon. I really. After that, after that shot, uh, the backstage mm-hmm. segment with her and. Oh crap. Um Becky. Where Becky yeah. was like, Yeah, you broke my face, but you got fired. Like Yeah. I feel like it, Nia Jax's time might be short lived. Oh wow, short lived. I think that's a good have, they have yeah, so I... many powerhouses. Like Yeah. That's you know, true. When you see uh Piper Niven, Raquel Rodriguez, Shayna Baszler. And Raquel Rodriguez lifted Nia Jax up and just slammed her like it was yeah. nothing. Like yeah. You kind of take the the oomph out of Nia Jax being this unstoppable monster. What do they call her? The immovable force, the irresistible. Res- res- I know they have a term. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> irresistible force. Um, but um, interesting enough, um, Rio has a new challenger, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, all right. Uh, the World Heavyweight Championship, Seth Rollins defends against Drew McIntyre. Of course, Wes. Darth Paul predicted Drew McIntyre would win the title, but myself and the Rainmaker yep. uh, going for Seth Rollins to retain. I'm glad that we did. We both uh, got that correctly. And now what is left for Drew McIntyre? He looks so despondent on Raw. Uh, he's going heel. Uh, I think going heel will probably be a, the logical thing. Yeah. But will he get another shot? We don't know. Um. And then we have the world championship. Uh, sorry, the universal championship. I'm Roman sorry, Reigns. Undisputed. Oh, sorry. Universe. Undisputed <laughs> universal championship. Roman Reigns uh, defending against LA Knight. And again, yes, his once in a blue moon title defense 
myself, Wes, Paul, and the Rainmaker all going for uh, Roman Reigns. Right. Art picked uh, LA Knight because oh, he's from Hagerstown. He's a he's a he's a Baltimore guy. Yeah, even though Hagerstown is nowhere near Baltimore, he's like I'm going for the Baltimore guy in LA Knight. But it, right. it was a wild pick for Art. But no, um, yeah, I I see Roman Reigns. Holding the title now, it's 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 interesting because a lot of people think Cody will upset Roman at WrestleMania. At Mania. Right. I re- I really think they really want the Rock versus Roman, and that way Roman can retain and then, um, you know, have the title longer than Hulk Hogan. But I don't know if they're going to wait that long. That's that's still sometime late next year before he defeats, um, before he beats Hogan's record. You know, so I don't know. It's a, it's a tough call, but uh, LA Knight, I, I think he's he's got to get a U.S. title reign. And I, I and I said this uh, when we did the picks, Rainmaker, is that I can see LA Knight versus um, Logan Paul being a money match. I can see that being a money match. And maybe that's when LA Knight wins his first uh, WWE championship. Is against Logan Paul. So maybe. Uh I would much rather see LA Knight versus Gunther. Ooh. Wow. So like, the thing about Gunther, he's on Raw, LA Knight's on SmackDown, but yes, that that's that's an interesting one. Wow. I didn't think about that one. Uh just because you have the the difference of personalities between the two. Whereas you have Logan Paul still big and flashy and LA Knight still big and flashy. And, yeah. You know, uh, I, 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 I don't know. Maybe. I'm, I also think LA Knight could pull a Roddy Piper and never be a main champion, be a tag champion, maybe Intercontinental. Right. But like his line of uh, he's a megastar without the belt and reigns is because of the belt. It was very Roddy Piper to me. Interesting. Like, okay. Like, I don't need the belt to make the man kind of a thing. It could. It could. I could see them doing it, but at the same time, I, I would really like LA to have some gold. I don't know. I feel like he, he's a veteran. He's been wrestling for 20 years. He's just like, yeah. he's 41 getting a break. He's in his 40s. Yeah. And he's finally getting some success. So let's give it to him, man. You know, I mean, shit, he's got what, 10 years before. Most most uh most most men uh wrestlers retire at fifty, I'd say, you know, that's kind of like the the oldest somebody sticks around. Would that be fair to assume? You know, like with with the exception being like a Jericho or <laughs> Ric Flair. You know. Yeah. And look, Edge and Christian, they're getting they're almost fifty two. So we got Sting who's in his sixties and he's taking bumps off of tabletops and Yeah, but isn't he about to retire? Sting is about well, to retire next year. But Next like year, you're, right? you're looking at like how many people go past that. Like Sting's one of the few who I think has had a healthy career. Yeah. Into his unlike you have somebody like Ric Flair where you're like, you're gonna watch that man die in the ring. Like I literally thought he was gonna die in his That's match. His I don't think match. he should he shouldn't be anywhere near a ring, dude. Nowhere no. near. Well, it looks so, like Survivor series is shaping up. But Michael, you yeah. had something. You, you no, no, something so Hogan had um one thousand 474 days title run roman is currently at 1163 so there's he needs 312 days uh to beat to to beat the record 
Right. And so that's um that's uh like nine, ten months. Yeah, is that right? It's uh 365 days a year. September 14th. September 14th, 2024. Okay. Which is after Mania. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they're gonna let Hogan keep it or not, but and I, I think it's also contingent upon Roman's health as well, because you know right. he's, he's in remission. So yeah, interesting. Interesting because a lot of people think he'll drop it at, at Cody, but I think maybe they'll change it on purpose. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But now we got the Survivor Series uh, uh, shaping up with uh, three matches already after Raw, which is pretty impressive. First of all, they're bringing back War Games, which is crazy. Um, War Games will now feature um, the Judgment Day, Finn Balor, Damian Priest, Dirty Dom, and the not-so-honorary member, J.D. McDonough, uh, going up against Cody Rhodes, Seth freaking Rollins, Jey Uso, and Sami Zayn. So four on four, it's kind of good to that that Seth isn't defending next month. He he he's just been defending his title, and and I know he's got some back issues, which I think someone said could be work back issues, but uh, nonetheless, um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, I'm I'm a sucker for the the elimination. The traditional Survivor Series elimination, but I guess they want to bring War Games over. I mean, it's cool, but I wouldn't want to see more than one War Games match, you know? Yeah, but you? I mean, I I think you might get two only because it's a two ring setup with a steel cage to only use it once. It's kind of you leave yeah. that whole other ring there for the whole time. Yeah, um, that's true. I don't know. I am very very curious to see how they do it. Yep. And then this one was a surprise on Raw. They had a battle world that determined Rhea Ripley's new challenger, Zoe Stark one. I'm just shocked. She's getting a title opportunity. She's a rookie. Well, she, she's been wrestling for other independents. But, you know, she's new, re- relatively new to Raw. And she's going to face Rhea Ripley at one of the major pay-per-views of Survivor Series. I'm, I'm just shocked. I'm shocked. I'm shocked, but I'm wondering if this is to make Rhea look bigger and better. Like, you know what I mean? You give. Yeah. So it's not quite a, I I hate sounding like this. It's not a jobber. It's somebody that's, it's kind of worthy of a shot. Right. But it's also the Roman LA night thing where it's like, you kind of don't, if, if she goes over, it's a huge shock. Right. But if she doesn't, it's understandable because it's Rhea. Yes, interesting. But she's she's proven herself to be a contender. Zoe Stark is um is is great in the ring, and yeah. this one's surprising. Uh, they had a fatal four way to determine the next uh challenger for Gunther's Intercontinental Championship. It was Ivar Bronson Reed Ricochet, and the Miz, and the Miz won, and we're gonna see the Miz versus Gunther. I. I don't see Miz sadly winning that match, uh, <laughs> but I think uh, the I think the Miz is going to make Gunther look like an amazing, amazing superstar. Now you mean that he's going to just be his whipping boy? Is that what you mean, man? I don't mean like a whipping boy, but I mean like give you a solid match that oh, will still be solid. Match. Okay, that makes you believe Miz might have a chance, but then that's it. That's it. 
and Gunther over 500 days surpassing the record already by Honky Tonk Man. Yeah. So interestingly enough, um, let's see what happens there. And this is breaking news. NXT is heading to the CW network. Interesting, I guess, because they brought SmackDown back to USA. They didn't want all three of their flagship shows to be on USA. So they're moving NXT to CW um, next year. That's, okay. uh, I mean, you, you, you get rid of Superman and Lois, but you're going to bring in, <laughs> bring in NXT. I, I'm not well, sure what a huge yeah. vote of confidence for NXT. Do you know, did they say what time slot they're or what day they're getting? Or no, it didn't on say just, it's a five-year deal. That's going to start October okay. of 2024. They'd want to keep their um their Tuesday slot to not go head to head with AEW. Yeah, but I mean I that's imagine... a big vote of confidence for a brand that started out as like something on the app as a training ground. Yes. Yeah, they didn't even air NXT. Right. Like you yeah. had to have the 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 now long gone WWE app. WWE network. Yeah, the network <laughs> to be able to watch NXT. Exactly. And to go from that to this. Yep. is is awesome now i will uh, say i think that's a huge credit to triple h and like because sean yes. michaels is one of the producers on that and yes. so you have two guys pushing it i i also saw in the sec filings or at least a report that with this new merger that vince mcmahon is seen as a uh i think the toxic or dangerous asset so we mm. might officially, officially be done with uh, the Vince McMahon style bookings for a long while. Yeah, and I think that has to do with the TKO holdings. Um, they they really like Triple H, and they yeah they put him back in the head of creative after those two merged. So, but yep. it's getting late. We should wrap up here. This one's really interesting. Actor Paul Walter Hauser will make his in ring wrestling debut at Wrestling Revolver. I'm not familiar with the Revolver promotion. But uh, apparently they also booked Ronda Rousey and Marina Shafir to take on Athena and Billy Stark. So this is an independent promotion, but apparently I'm an independent promotion that has money to get Paul Walter Hauser to wrestle. I mean, he's an actor from Cobra Kai, Blackbird, yeah, Black Klansman. He was a great interview on Below the Belcher, one of the few interviews I did during the strike. Uh, though he was happy to talk with us. And uh, I can't believe he's going to I know he's a big wrestling fan. He was wearing a Vader shirt when I saw him. Mike, and just to see the fact that he's actually going to be wrestling. An in-ring wrestling debut at Wrestling Revolver is pretty crazy. Um, and um, let's uh, wrap up really quick. Jeremy Renner yeah. posted uh, he is still um, in recovery from a snowplow accident. And he's tried all kinds of therapy, from physical therapy, peptide injections, red light infrared therapy, stem cells to heal up. He's been through everything. And um, apparently his greatest therapy has been his mind to push and recover to be better. So really? Yeah. His mind. Wow. Interesting. We really hope that, uh, that uh, Jeremy Renner Hawkeye is back to a hundred percent. But yeah, he was just talking about um, yeah. Just some of his um, struggles, ups and downs with his recovery process in a recent interview. Um, and of course, those that are no longer with us, we already mentioned, um, rest in peace, uh, Matthew Perry, which we talked about last week, which is certainly very sad. We also lost 
Taraja Rams is a, a well-known stuntman for his work on Avengers Endgame, Black Panther. He sadly died in a car accident along with his two daughters who are 13 years old and eight weeks old, respectively. That is so Ooh. effing sad to Absolutely. lose the father, the daughter, and a baby. Um, it just breaks my heart, man. Uh, we lost Shannon Wilcox, character actor from 1984 Songwriter, alongside Willie Nelson in five episodes of Dallas. Uh, we lost Pat E. Johnson, known for choreographing fights for the Karate Kid films. Yeah, he was also the referee. And he was the referee in the final uh, bout between uh, yep. Donnie and Danielson, right? Yeah, he sadly passed away natural causes at the age of 84. We lost Peter White, who portrayed Link Tyler in the ABC soap opera All My Children. And uh, we also sadly lost Evan Ellingston, a child star featured in CSI and My Sister's Keeper, passed away at the age of 35. Um, he had not been acting for probably 10 years, um, but he did have a, a past struggle with drugs. But he was in a sober living home, which is very surprising that his death became a surprise because he was in the sober living home and was trying to get sober. So it's very similar to, to Matthew Perry, who, you know, allegedly was sober and still for whatever yeah. reason just passed away. But but with death, we celebrate life, right? Uh, for those another year Absolutely. on the sun, happy birthday, Joni Mitchell, who's 80. Happy birthday, Christopher Knight from the Brady Bunch is 66. Happy birthday to the London brothers, Jeremy and Jason London. Jeremy London, Party of Five, and I think Jason London. I can't remember which one was in Mallrats. Uh, was it Jeremy or Jason? It's Jeremy. <laughs> it was Jeremy. Okay. Jeremy uh, uh, was in Mallrats. Actor Adam Devine from Modern Family and Righteous Gemstones. He's 40. Wow. Uh, and Lord, singer Lord is 27. That is birthdays today. And that wraps wow. up. A great episode. Rainmaker, you deserve a gold medal for, for sticking for around, what? staying up late. Oh, no. staying Stop. here, staying up late with BTV, uh, talking wrestling, uh, you know, enduring talk about Big Brother, a show that you don't watch, <laughs> but still commenting on it. And again, hey, man, you, you've, I, been, you've been a stellar part of this program, man. I appreciate that greatly. Yeah. I mean, look, if, uh, if others can be patient while we nerd out over comic book stuff and I can do the same about Big Brother. Yes, exactly. It's a nerd thing in another way, of course. But uh, but yeah, that's it. That we're nerdy about. That is it for BTB. Of course, uh, I think we already played our interviews from General Zod, our final New York Comic Con interviews with Eric Larson and Gizal Armar for the halfway part of the program. But that's it for tonight's episode. So on behalf of Mike the General Zod, who joined us earlier, and of course, Kenny Hopkins... And Kristen Michelle, who joined us for the latter half. And of course, the one and only Mike, the Rainmaker, Darty. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on BTB. And I'm Wow Celebrity Soto, your host of the most, guys. Um, only a couple more shows this year before we take our uh, Christmas break. Uh, so, yeah, just keep keep it here on BTB in the, in the meantime. And we'll see you next week. Until then, peace. Well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, Until next time, keep chilling. Like a villain. Bye, goodbye, 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 goodbye.
Bye.